The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! How about that? You should have been pulled in the front room. They have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth, but they had faith in you. And you. It's time for another edition of the Hey! It's a Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, presented by the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network. It's episode 46, the Dan Petrie edition. On today's show, Michael sits down with Matty Wood. Matty Davis from FTN Fantasy and the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast is here to tell you how he identifies value. His strategy on players and draft prep. He's going to give you the keys to the kingdom today on this very show. So settle in because you're going to win your league after you listen to this episode. Take it away, boys! Welcome into the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, episode 46. It's the Dan Petrie edition. Uh, that's a local favorite here, number 46. I don't know who wears 46 for the Tigers anymore, but Dan Petrie was a fun pitcher back in the day. We got a great show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about fantasy bounce back candidates in 2021, non injury related, and we've got the man from LA who's going to give us everything we need to know. He's an He's probably one of the better high-stakes players out there from what I hear. I've never played against him, so I've never been in the big leagues like that. But from what people tell me, he's a pretty big deal. He's from the FTN Network. He's none other than Matty Davis. Matty Wood on Twitter. Matty, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, hang out with you. However, I must admit off the bat, I'm a bit disappointed that I didn't get a hype video like Michael Simeone or Chris Towers or the chicken breast that you were cooking in the kitchen. (laughs) You know, 
I, I try to walk the fine line of like, hey, how, how are people getting annoyed? You know, like, hey, you got to take it easy. You, gotta, you can't just constantly do this. People might get sick of it. But at the same time, I am just as big a fan of you as any of those other guys. So I feel like I let you down and I probably owe you no, one at some enough. point. But <laughs> we're, we're also in the league that Zach from Draft Champagne put together, which is uh, his Battle of the Podcast Season 2. So we're going to have a hype video for that for sure. And I know that that one's going to be a good one when it rolls out. I'm actually excited about that opportunity. How did Season 1 go? I have no idea. I actually was. Uh, no, I wasn't. Um, oh, so shit. This oh, will okay. be my first season jumping in as well. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of fun fun people in the industry that um, I'm friends with in, in real life as well as just the Twitter streets. So it should be a good group of people that are in it. Um, it's going to be interesting. We have Michael Simeone and Rob DePietro, Jorge Montanez, Toby, which is Batflip Crazy, Zachary, which you said from Giraffe Champagne, Justin Mason, and um, I think Jake and Dave are teaming up with each other. And then um, Bubba as well. Bubba and Toby are not sharing a team. They're doing teams differently. So I think that they're going to be promoting their own podcasts when um, doing this draft. Hell yeah! Well, right now, let me hype you up. You are the man. You are the number one stunner from the L.A. West Side, West Coast, Maddie Davis. You are a, you're such a potential champion. You are the future king. You will one day rule the Midwest and the West Coast at the same time. There's no stopping you. You are on your way. I have tremendous respect for you. I think you are an outstanding analyst. When it comes to breaking down players and getting the most out of your team, you are my hero. Let me say that loud and clear on the record wow. right now. How was that? Was okay. That yeah, it was good. We got it on the recording too, so it's there. It's in ink. <laughs> <laughs> Concrete <right>. information. <laughs> We're off to a hot start here on the Hey, It's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Remember, two L's, two Z's, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Send us your emails. We'll have a few emails at the end of the show that are specifically for you, Matt, so I hope you can handle those. And we are going to dive right into, uh, you know, how we usually lead off the show with our leading off. But I do want to say one thing. I, I really enjoyed when I got to almost do a show with you last year. We were going to do a show about the L.A. Dodgers on Matt's Turn 2 pod. But, like, it all got canceled. I can't remember what it was. Like, I think something serious went down or, like, we all weren't in the mood. It was. I think it was last year with the riots and, like, uh, the George Floyd stuff. It seemed like things were, like, really heavy. And I think... Uh, I ended up not being on that show, and I was like, damn it, I really wanted to talk L.A. Dodgers with the one and only Matt Davis. But you're here now, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, it. Um, we decided to hold it off, and I think that you weren't able to join us. And then it was um, actually one of my colleagues now at FTN, John, um, on Twitter, at MLB Moving Averages. Him, Matt the Williams, man. and I talked about the L.A. Dodgers. And uh, I, I got some things wrong on that podcast. I definitely know I got the Gavin Lux. <laughs> the Gavin Lux take wrong, but I also, uh, Matt and I did pound home the Corey Seager take. So we were uh, 50, 50 in regards to some of the players in um, the 2020 Dodgers, but it, it worked out overall. It was a good, good episode, fun episode. And that's how, that's how you and I actually ended up meeting each other. Uh, even though we did not record a podcast. That is correct. And uh, yeah, well, there's, we had a few things in common and I was glad to know you then. And John, John really is like, I don't even know how to put it into words. Cause he, really knows the game so well he's got a lot of energy and he brings everything i don't know what john doesn't offer because he's so analytical good at the game 
passion, intensity. Uh, he's also very uh, empathetic and like a caring dude to other people. So John is a really special dude, and I, I say that with all of my love and respect for him. He's a really talented fellow. Yes, yes, he is, and he does. He does. It's 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 fun. It's fun working with him because some of the things that I'll present to him. He it's over his head. Um, and then the things that he presents to me are way over my head. So the way that we attack things and we look at things are are incredibly different. But then we can discuss those things and then kind of, um, you know, uh, iron out those wrinkles of, of understanding what's going on or what we're creating. Beautiful. I think that's how you really come to a deeper understanding of the overall game. And when you can have multiple perspectives, giving a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Hey, I didn't see it from that angle. Now I see it from this angle. Here's how I saw it from my angle. And you put all the angles together and you have a perfect view and probably the best information you can get on a player or a certain position. You guys do good work at FTN. And I, I want to make sure that we promote that there. Um, you guys both have your own shows over there and make sure everybody checks them out. Promote your tag on Twitter and tell people where they can find your podcast too, Maddie. Yeah, please. And thank you. Uh, I'm on Twitter underscore Maddie Wood underscore. And then if you go to Apple podcasts or Spotify, it is available at FTN fantasy baseball podcast. And then I actually have um, an in season podcast. He talks about fab and that's for the NFBC and the NFFC. And I'll be doing that once the season gets underway and I'll be doing that with a different co-host and that's Chris Meany. I do the baseball podcast with Matt Cupferly, and he also works at Number Fire and Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Wow. Holy testicle Tuesday. That is impressive. I got to say, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Tommy Lasorda real quick because you are an L.A. Dodgers. I mean, you're an L.A. guy. All your teams, right? Rams, Dodgers, Lakers. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. No? What I missed there? Oh, right Jets. Here. Right. You're yeah. Okay. Me. All right. Yeah, uh, my one, my one, my one non-California um, out-of-state team is the New York Jets, and I, I'm paying a a heavy price um, for deciding to <laughs> go that path in my life. But um, I, I, it's okay. It's a uh, that's, that's a story for another day. I've got all kinds of shitty Jet stories. <laughs> oh, you know, I think uh, the Jets are not as embarrassing as the Detroit Lions, so you can kind of hang your head on that. At least the Jets won a Super Bowl once. That did happen. I got nothing yeah, on the lines. Yeah, only, uh, There's nothing for me to say about Detroit Saints at all. So. I know it was a while ago, but shit. We have won one playoff game in 63 years. So, anyways. I, That's, uh, is that really? It's really that bad, huh? Oh, yeah. It's that bad. 1992, we beat the Cowboys 38-6 to the year before they won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. It seems like we were on our way. <sighs> Wayne Fonts had the team. Barry Sanders, Rodney Pete. Lomas Brown. I mean, it was a, it was a good team, uh, but we weren't the Cowboys. We got destroyed by Washington in the title game, and then the Cowboys went on to their dynasty, and that's how the story ended, okay. unfortunately. So, wow. Yeah. And then the, there's also a sad connection with the Jets. Uh, Reggie Brown was a great linebacker. He got paralyzed in that Jets-Lions game in 1997, which was really sad. But it was also the same game that Barry broke the 2,000-yard barrier. So it was that was a very interesting game. And it knocked the Jets out of the playoffs and put the Lions in the playoffs, too. So. Anyways, Something no one gives a shit about 90s NFL around here. This is not why you <laughs> listen to this show. But I did want to give you a chance to say some special words about Mr. Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda was a not just a funny, interesting character. He was a good manager. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, I think it, um, what, like, like you mentioned, the character of himself and the passion and energy that he brought to the game. Um, sometimes we, we don't see that as much. And 
the the game has kind of sizzled in entertainment, so to speak. And we we hear about the NBA doing great things and how the NFL, you're able to know who the player is under the helmet because they market their players so well. Um, Tommy Lasorda was, if you, if you are just even an average baseball fan, you know who he is, you knew who he was. And um, I, a quick story real quick. So I went to spring training in 2015 in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he wanted to cruise around in his golf cart. He doesn't like to walk uh, that much. So he'd cruise around in his golf cart and he would find kids to sign baseballs, take photos with and whatever they had. He, he just wanted to hang out with them. But if you were an adult and you tried to cut off a kid or if you asked Tommy for an autograph, he was basically going to tell you to fuck off. Um, and if he <laughs> killed his vibe, if he killed his vibe too much, he was going to end up he basically would just leave. And that was something that's really common. And you'll hear a lot of people uh, have similar stories to Tommy. Um, doing stuff like that, but it, it goes to show you the, the fire and passion that he has on the field. But then the big heart that he had off the field was just wanting to, you know, keep the youth in the baseball game going. And I think that that's something that's a little missed nowadays. And he was really, really keen on that. That's beautiful. I think Tommy Lasorda is, he was just always a part of my life. Even as a guy living in the Midwest, growing up in the Detroit area, the Kirk Gibson home run was a big deal to someone like me because Kirk Gibson had won a World Series with the Tigers. He was a big Tigers hero, and then he goes to the Dodgers and has that special moment in Game 1 of the 88 Series, and Tommy's jumping as <laughs> high as he can out of the dugout after Kirk hit that home run off Eckersley. And I always looked at Tommy Lasorda as a guy who was on TWIB, you know, TWIB notes with Mel Allen this week in baseball, cracking jokes, talking about the game. He was an ambassador for the game, but he also said things like this. Good, I don't give a shit. You feel good. There's four motherfucking hits up there. They all fucking hit the opposite way. Dude. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That, that was from the well 77 series, I believe. <laughs> he was uh, not too happy. Very well done. But I love a guy who is honest, genuine, cares about the game and people, but also is who he is. You know, he swears he's he's not afraid to be a regular, fallible human being, in a sense. I respect people more who are willing to not be like politicians and just be themselves. Yeah, and Tommy certainly was that. He was. And so, hey, if I could live to 93 years old and have a full life like Tommy Lasorda, I'd be very happy with that. We wish Tommy rest in power. All the best to you, my friend. Uh, well, you weren't my friend, but I... I feel like I know you, Tommy. You're a good man, and I'm I'm kind of jealous that you got to meet Thomas Sorda. That's very cool, man. Very cool. Why don't we switch gears and we can move into leading off. In leading off, I want to focus on the hot stove news, the Lindor trade. It's a few days old now. We've had a lot of time to look at it, review it from many different angles. I want your fantasy analysis of this, Matthew. How do we see this trade? I, I, there's a lot of pieces here where there could be some value in your fantasy drafts, and it's not just Lindor, obviously. I think Ahmed Rosario is not done yet. I don't think he should be dismissed. Uh, he was a hot name coming into – not a hot name, but he was – Somebody that was being drafted definitely within like top 175 coming into last year. There was some promise with the steal and power combo. And then he has a bad stretch in 2020. What's your take on guys like Rosario? Is there any other players in this deal like Carrasco or Jimenez that you see as getting a benefit from this trade? 
Yeah, so I think the first thing that you always have to do um, when news settles is looking at the market and where it's going to move to because you have to – every player, regardless of the name, comes with an acquisition cost. Francisco Lindor is not going to be able to move too, too much up. So his current ADP in the NFBC since January 10th – or I'm sorry, December 10th is 16 with a min of 12 and a max of 25. He's 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 maybe sometimes getting to the latter latter half of the second round, but now that he's in New York and he's in a much better lineup, um, it, he's gonna go up if anything. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he surpasses Trevor Story in NFBC ADP, and that's especially if the Rockies end up trading somebody like himself or Nolan Arenado. And then in regards to Carlos Carrasco, I love the landing spot. We're still uncertain if the NL is going to have a DH. I know a lot of people are banking on them having a DH this season, but I'm not completely sold on that. And if there isn't, we need to we need to be waiting that um, uh, much heavier than I think some are doing so right now because of the uncertainties. And if that is the case, going to the National League, going to a better road, or yeah, I would say a better rotation, um, led with Jacob Degrom. Hmm. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because he's already he's sandwiched in right now with Sonny Gray, and the next starting pitcher is Denelson Lamette, who has question marks of his own right now. And then it's Steven Strasburg. I know, and I'm pretty confident that Carlos Carrasco will surpass and he will jump Sonny Gray, Max Fried, Lance Lynn, Corbin Burns, Zach Plesac, and I think that he'll start to settle in around Kenta Maeda, Tyler Glass now, and Blake Snell. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how confident you are and if you're willing to pay that extra round because that's what it's going to cost. He's currently going 64th on average. And so that's early fifth round, late fourth round. And I'm yeah, I, I think we're going to end up seeing him in that fourth round um, tier. So when doing that, are you comfortable paying an additional round um, as of right now, just given the information that um, you have? Are, are you good with that? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I am. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's okay. So, so that's the question that you have to ask yourself, right? So if, if you were hesitant in the fifth or early sixth or whatnot, and now you got to understand, you know, where the market's going to go and how, when you're paying, um, what you're paying for that price and when you're paying it. So I'm concerned that he gets pushed up into a tier that's going to have me uncomfortable. And then in considering um, Jose Ramirez, yeah, the on-base percentage could tick up due to the lack of talent around him. So he could be pitched around getting on base more. If there's somebody not on in front of him, we don't really know who that leadoff hitter is. And we're going to get to those two guys in a minute. Um, I have concerns about his counting stats. I, I'm not sure that he can eclipse um, the 200 total that we want in regards to runs and RBI. And if we don't get that, are we just solely, solely banking on an elite average and stolen bases? And and if so, and he does that, that's fine. He will pretty much probably pay off his value because he provides plenty of pop. But I'm concerned about the overall context in Cleveland and how pitchers and teams and front offices are going to plan on attacking this lineup and the damage that it could do to the overall production for Jose Ramirez. So yes, he could potentially run a little bit more. That would boost the, the value there because he's on base and he's going to have to do, do more, right? He's going to have to be the guy. He's truly the face of Cleveland and um, maybe that pressures him to run a little bit more. But what if on the flip side of things, what if that pressures him in the box as well? And he's not seeing as many pitches and, you know, an increase in outside zone um, swing rate goes up, swinging strike rate goes up, um, you know, things can go wrong quickly. And we've seen it happen in the first half of, of 2019. Things didn't go um, as, as planned when he went. I think he was going in the top five overall. So 
there's some concerns that I have there. And then in regards to Andre Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, I'd be willing to put my dollar on Jimenez being the leadoff hitter with Rosario um, batting a little bit lower in the lineup, uh, most likely eighth or ninth, depending what they do with Bradley Zimmer as well. Jimenez has a better on-base profile. He has a better stolen base attempt rate, better stolen base rate overall. And his sprint speed is in um, north of the 90th percentile. So he is somebody that I'm actually looking at as of right now, if I'm in a draft, um, his current NFBC ADP is 183. So you're getting him in about the 11th round. His min is 150, which is right after the 10th round. And then um, a max of 210. I think that max, um, we're going to slowly see that sizzle down. Uh, once people, not like I'm going to say like myself, I don't want to toot my own horn, but <laughs> if more people start to talk about Andre Jimenez and there's more talk about it and then people start to tweet about it and create threads and just the talk and the, the aroma of, hey, he's a cheap source of stolen bases, then that source doesn't become so cheap at some point. But as of right now, I would love to take a shot on his current ADP with that stolen base upside. I think when you're talking about Jose Ramirez, the two players we have to discuss on any potential improvements or dropping an ADP due to lack of opportunity is Naylor and specifically Fran Mill, the Franimal. I mean, is that somebody that we can count on to back him up? Because... You know, the 2020 season wasn't great for him. Everybody knows the story there. Again, the caveats, I'm not going to keep repeating the caveat and the qualification. It was a short season. We all know it was. Everybody should know that by now. I just don't want to keep repeating myself. But Franimal was a disappointment. But if he can back him up and probably hit cleanup, and if Josh Naylor can rise to the occasion, maybe that gives Jose Ramirez a little bit more stability. Is that something that you're buying into with those two players? Or are they... Uh, not somebody that you, I mean, they could be two different stories here. Not, not one in the same. Yeah. So friend will actually started getting a lot of hype and ended up going, I believe in the seventh round of NFBC main events, which is pretty expensive for in air quotes, just a power hitter. Yeah. You are absolutely getting no speed. Um, and when you sandwich his three year sample size or the short year of 2020, you're looking at like a 260, 270 average. And could his strikeout rate increase north of 30%, especially with who's that going to be hitting behind him? You said Josh Naylor's going to be hitting behind him or Jake Bowers. Um, no, Naylor's likely going to hit second. But, yeah, I, I mean, what what's the deal? What if they – I mean, Fran Mel Reyes can get – there can be problems there too. Um, and we saw that last year in a short season, albeit. But I, I've got concerns about the whole lineup. I don't think that the on-base percentage is going to be a thing of beauty. And if – the talent and lack of upside outside of Ramirez isn't there, then who's going to be able to perform at like even a steady solid standard. And this is a lot like this. We're projecting 140, 162 game season. Oh, it can be, it could be a very, very long um, baseball season for Cleveland. Unfortunately, even with, even with Plesak and Bieber up front, I'm, I'm concerned. I'd be betting the under as much as I could right now. Yeah, I don't understand the excitement for Fran Mill Reyes. I never did last year. I stayed away. I, I just think he's your typical run-of-the-mill fella like Kyle Schwarber was, except he performed slightly better than Kyle Schwarber last year. You know, it's power hitting that you can find anywhere. He doesn't provide anything else. Maybe, I mean, if the walk rate could continue to tick up, he was 10% in the short season. Uh, you know, he's been under that for his career so far. If he could get on base more and maybe raise that up, I might find him more of a value in points leagues or OBP leagues, but that's about it. I don't really see a benefit to him. And 
As far as Ahmed Rosario, I think he is a guy that will get to run wild. If he gets to be down in the lineup, he gets to play every day. Because there isn't anybody in Cleveland, as far as I can tell. I mean, I'm not a prospects guru, but there's not a lot of people that are like pushing at the shortstop position. I mean, they got Owen Miller from San Diego last year. Maybe him. Nolan Jones is third base, I believe. He's a corner infielder. So I don't I don't think there's a real concern about him not having playing time. I think he'll be able to run like crazy. Yeah, he could be he could actually end up being. So it's funny when things, you know, start to level out. If Jimenez gets pushed up and everyone's predicting him to be the leadoff hitter and and maybe he is, what if Rosario ends up, you know, everything starts to click in a new place, less pressure. You know, New York can be a, a pretty brutal place if you have if you have top pedigree like he does and do and you don't um if you don't progress man it's rough out there and um yeah he could be the sneaky one he's going to be a lot cheaper i think Jimenez is the one that will continue to rise rosario should rise as well his playing time isn't going to be in as um as questionable as it was heading into the season at, with the mets and then real quick on Fran Mill reyes the, the combination of a contact rate sub 70% and a strikeout rate that's close to 30% that's that's the problem um, when, you know, thinking of production and how are you going to get somebody in like Jose Ramirez? How is the lineup going to turn over? How many times is Jose Ramirez going to be hitting five times in a game? Not that many. Um, it's going to be very, very hard pressed for him to kill um, teams or help your team, you know, death by volume. Somebody like George Springer that we've seen in the past just accumulate so much volume that he's going to have a productive season because he's getting 700 plus plate appearances. And if that lineup's not turning over, which I don't think it's going to be doing much of that, um, you are definitely going to be getting a frustrated first round pick in Jose Ramirez. And I actually already do have one share. I drafted him 11th overall in an NFB DC, but that was before the Lindor trade. Mm, but you probably were assuming that Lindor would get moved anyways, right? Yeah, I was. Um, like I said, the home run and the speed uh, with the batting average, if all those play out like they should, then I'm not going to be worried about the counting stats. Eleven's uh, a good can, spot still anyways. I think that's a great yeah, one, regardless. It was, yeah, I think that was his max at that point, and I was really, really happy with that. I think if he would have went somewhere in the middle and if DeGrom or Cole was there, I would have went the pitcher over him. But, um, yeah, the home run, the speed, the, the that's the great thing about him is the, the, the categories that he provides are the tough ones to get, right? So – Power with speed, tough. But then if they have that, maybe the batting average is an elite. He has, he's elite in all three of those. So the counting stats, I'm willing to, um, you know, take a little bit of a discount on that or be lenient with that because, it, especially with Fab, and if you if you're a true grinder in Fab, you're going to be able to shuffle in pieces um, throughout the season to be able to get your volume that you need. Ah, yes. Oh, fab. I can't wait for Fab. Uh, we are talking live on the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. That's right. We're talking with Maddie Davis at underscore Maddie Wood underscore on Twitter, host of the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Also, owner of one of the best logos in the fantasy podcast game. That major league baseball from the movie with the mohawk of the wild thing and the sunglasses that's pretty badass matt i gotta say pretty damn good yeah uh when it first came out it sounded like a couple people were upset about it they were thinking i was going to get sued um for <laughs> infringement or whatnot but the editors uh the editors over at ftn added some things to the logo to you know tweak it and make it a little bit different um and then it is interesting it kind of i went down a rabbit hole on that because i i do i absolutely love um 
that that look, that major league logo look of the baseball with the mohawk and the pierced ear and the feather. Etsy, if you go on an Etsy, there's all kinds of people selling anything you can think of with that logo. So uh, I, I don't think I would be the first person that they came after um, in regards to trying to sue somebody. So I think I'm okay in that department, especially because we made some adjustments and we're not actually trying to distribute anything. Whereas the people on uh, Etsy and all these other outsourced sites, they're, uh, they're making some decent money off that logo, but I can't blame them because it is, it is, it is bitching. It is, it is one of the best. I will admit. Well, you may run like maze, but you hit like shit. That's right. Okay, so <laughs> let's keep it moving. Uh, I wonder what Lou Brown would think of uh, the Kyle Schwarber signing. If Lou Brown was the manager of the Washington Nationals and Kyle Schwarber is coming into spring training, he can hit, but uh, he can't run. He's kind of the opposite of Willie Mays Hayes, isn't he? Uh, what do you think about the Schwarber signing? Adding Josh Bell as well. We could kind of combine both of them and get your thoughts because now the Nats are trying to load up this offense, which was pretty weak in 2020. I like both of the moves, actually. Um, I've already discussed Kyle Schwarber and did a quick write-up on him, so I can kind of take a little bit from that. I do have concerns with Schwarber. Um, let's even give him the benefit of the doubt and say the National League does have a DH. So we're going to maximize and increase his plate appearances and opportunities, just to just to be fair here. Against left-handed pitching, if he continues to falter, uh, he's not going to have that role whatsoever with the DH or playing in the outfield. Um the ballpark is much better though. So the right, the right field ballpark is 14% above average in regards to home runs in national park for left-handed hitters. So that does, that does have me a little bit optimistic in regards to him getting up to that power that we were projecting in 2020 after we saw um, a solid 2019 season, but the left-handed results are just bad. A 188 average, a 220 expected batting average. He has a career 75 WRC plus with a 152 ISO that's simply just not going to get it done. Um, and if that, if he continues to perform like that, he won't be playing against left-handed hitting. He'll be taken out early in games like we saw in Chicago. And if I'm Lou Brown, I'm telling him, if you don't get your contact rate up uh, and if you hit like shit, you won't be the cleanup hitter for the Washington Nationals. So I do have concerns. Also, I think that his, um, his market is going to increase. He's sitting in the low 200s right now. And I, Anytime somebody gets signed, especially somebody with a name um, attached to it with big pedigree, um, he was a popular player in consensus last year. It goes up. It goes up. His men right now is 164, so that's late 10th round, early 11th. No, I don't know. Where's, where's he go? The 8th round, the ninth round? Um, that's just a tough pill for me to swallow. Um, when you're getting somebody that's a batting average liability, he is also he's a stolen base liability. And then when you topple that the production in counting stats because of the lack of production versus left-handed pitching could cripple the the overall volume in counting stats, I'm out. Um, all kudos to somebody that takes them, and if he hits 40 home runs, produces 100 RBIs with a 260-270 batting average, cheers to you. You got it right. I'm just willing to take those risks in a pro profile like that later on. Now, looking at his teammate, Josh Bell, I was actually surprised to see that his ADP is about um, almost two rounds higher than him, and he's going in like the eighth or ninth round, and I was I was kind of, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't get it, um, but I love the landing spot, and 
I think that I, I'm never going to bake in what he did in the, the first half of 2019. That's the outlier. You need to understand that when looking at and projecting really? Josh Bell, that his 2019 season, um, the first half when he just absolutely smashed, and then they did the NFBC second half drafts, and he was going in like the second round. Yeah. Um, and that was just a mistake. Um, I think you don't see that, that happening again? Never. Wow. Never. Okay. Um, no. No, um, the if you look at the launch angle last year, I don't have the this stuff up with me. the barrel rate was just way down. The hard hit rate, hard hit rate was way down. I do believe that there are some things that he can correct, and I think that he can get improve much, much, much better than twenty twenty. Um, new team, better ballpark, better lineup. But I'm not, I'm not going to let his name and what he did in that first half of 2019 attached to a new team. Well, there's Juan Soto hitting in front of him. There's Trey Turner in the lineup, Kyle Schwarber now. Uh, and then, you know, if people get wind of the right field, the, the percentages of home run factors to right field for left-handed hitters, he's going to go up some more. And if you continue to go up, um, now are we starting to pay a premium for him? Uh, right now, I think that the price is fair. He's let's see if we pull up the first base market here at NFBC ADP. He's going right after Ryan Mountcastle and right um, before Jared Walsh. Um, I think that's I, yeah, I don't like either of those guys. I would push him up above them. I actually I know of a lot of people that like Jake Cronenworth. Um, I myself oh. would actually take Josh Bell over him, but Way, that's the, all right. That's where the bus stops for me, though. And oh. um, we can get into Jake Cronenworth when you bring up Kim, but that's where the bus stops for me. Um, let's let's put it. Let's be fair. Eric Hosmer, how about that? Um, both solid lineups. Both lineups are going to perform. Both should you know get plenty of volume at first base. I think that that would be fair. If you start to push him up any much further than that, though, uh, when you get into Mike Mustakis's area, I want nothing to do with it. Absolutely wow. nothing. You know, his strikeout rate was the outlier last year. You know, he's kept it basically under 20%. It was 26.5 last year. In 2019, it was 19.2. And before that, it was even lower. So I just feel like he had a, it was on a terrible offense last year. It didn't get a lot of good opportunities. He also was free swinging a lot more. So I will admit that it was a bad year. It was. But I wonder is there really a difference between him and Jesus Aguilar, who had a killer 2018, right? Where he exploded on the scene. <clears throat> and then. He kind of went away, and then last year had a nice little bounce back. I wonder if there's a real similar trajectory between these two players, and I, I kind of see them in that light, and I think I like both of them, but it all depends on the value, too. As you described, I, I, don't, want, uh, I don't want to take Josh Bell probably any higher than one, 150, but I, I probably would take him around 150. I really would. I, I believe in Josh Bell. Yeah, and one base, uh, first base does dry up, um, and if you believe in that, that's fine. I just don't – you don't want to start getting into the realm of guys like Mike Moustakis. Um, it's I mean, just Matt don't Olson, do that. Matt Olson, I don't – Matt Olson couldn't hit anything last year. I don't believe – he had a killer second half in 2017 where he hit like 20 home runs in the last 54 games, but he does not impress me as much as – I think Josh Bell and Matt Olson will give you the similar amount of return. I really do. This so a lot of people they're they're really comfortable paying a fifth or sixth round for Matt Olson, and that's because they are they want that 40, 50 plus home run season. The problem is is if you don't get that and you get a dip in batting average, you're fucked. And I don't like putting my <laughs> eggs in a basket in the fifth or sixth round on a hitter like that, especially one that's hitting from the left side. 
I agree. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's I, I I'm not going to be paying that price on Olsen either. That's why I'd rather wait um, for Hosmer or Bell later. I think the value is there because they're as long as it's later, that's value to me, and I'll happily sit with them. Yeah, I think the two guys that I like um, in the middle there are one's really boring, and that's Paul Goldschmidt. I know um, <laughs> that's not going to excite anybody. Um, he used to be, but so then the, and then. Yeah. And then the other guy, I just think that his floor and his consistency and what he's going to provide in another year on that team is going to be better than people are anticipating with that market. And then the other one's Max Muncy. Um, first base, second base, third base eligible. So you're getting middle infield, corner infield. He's going to be hitting in the heart of that Dodgers lineup again. And the plate discipline is its just truly elite. Um, he sees pitches. He sees so many pitches. He's selective. Gets on base a ton, has massive power, and the team context around him is just, um, you know, second to none. And I'm, uh, yeah, uh, give me Max Muncy. Okay. All right. Well, I, we're not doing a first base show, but there's a lot of interesting scenarios <laughs> in first base. Hey, this is exciting. I'm so excited about draft season. This is the best Sorry. time. Anytime no, somebody no, no. gets any anytime somebody gets mentioned, I like to pull up the market, see who's going where, how much they cost, and mm. then, you know, where you can profit at, at you know, under that or – shortly above it no i'm with you all the way i find your belief system fascinating i really do and i love diving into value and where people that's what that's what this game has really become more fascinating to me is i've learned so much from other analysts about value and who's going where it's not about names it's not about stats it's about where the value is and what kind of return you're getting this is where the game really is won or lost in my opinion and i've really bought into it yeah, look at it. Look at each player without their name as a piece of your puzzle, and each piece of that puzzle has an acquisition cost. And as you're putting this puzzle together, you know, you don't you only have so many pieces that you can acquire. You just got to be able to make less mistakes where some pieces don't fit, and you have to throw those out. So the less mistakes that you make, and then the ones that you're able to acquire more profit from later on, that's where you that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna get your butter. <laughs> okay yeah we're talking about off-season hot stove news uh there's a lot of chris bryant rumors flying around i don't think we really need to dive into him because who knows where he'll land up and frankly i don't know if i really care but really really quick is chris bryant <laughs> is it dependent on where he ends up will it improve your desire to have him or is this someone that you're just like this guy is nowhere near the mvp that he was and the party is over yeah it's it's tough. The market uh, isn't. I'm surprised that the market isn't overly hyping him. He's going in the ninth round on average right now, and this is in 15 team leagues. What if the Dodgers trade for him? And and I'm not the profile. If you just look at the profile, open up the hood, and take away <laughs> the name and the previous pedigree of like what it, when he did, you know, when he first came up. It's bad. It's really, really, really bad. Now, is that to be blamed for the elbow and some of the health issues that he's had over the seasons? And then last year just being pretty much just a debacle for almost everybody um, in the Chicago Cubs organization, not named uh, Kyle Hendricks or you Darvish. I'm not. If he gets traded, he's going to get pushed up. The name and being on a new team is simply going to push him up. So if he, I'm probably already out to be quite honest with you, but let's just say he gets into the Alec Bohm, Matt Chapman range. I think that that's where he likely will settle in. And if he gets there, um, 
it's going to be too rich for me. If, if I'm already questioning it right now, in, in between an unknown and Key Brian Hayes and Gio Urshela and Andre Semenez, Josh Donaldson, Gene Segura, all of these guys here, I'll give here's an actual pro tip. People want people want some good information. Just draft Austin Riley. He's going on average to pick 211. And if you're already down there in the third base range from Chris Bryant, Gio Urshela, and the other guys that I just named, just draft Austin Riley. And I think that you're going to be happy with yourself. Ooh, okay. The one and actually the one thing that's that's ironic about that though, there is one landing spot that would um have me a little bit more in on Chris Bryant than any other team. And they've mentioned that they are not targeting him right now, but we've seen the success with the Atlanta Braves the last two seasons, one-year contracts with Josh Donaldson, and then we saw one with Marcelo Zuna. Both put up contending like MVP seasons. And if Chris Bryant goes there, I think that there's just something to it, whether it be the context and the ballpark and the team and having the contract coming next season. Um, there's not a lot of pressure in Atlanta. I would then have a little bit more interest if Chris Bryant was on the Braves. And then um, in regards to Austin Riley, he would just go into the outfield. So still give me Austin Riley. Well, that is interesting. Yeah, there's a track record that's brewing here. And if it goes three for three, then you got to chalk it up to, hey, there's just something going on there that they know when to strike. Just like a good analyst or a good manager in fantasy knows when to strike on value, you pick a player at the right time. So if the Braves pull that off and it works, I'm going to remember this. We're going to, we're recording the show, by the way. So everything you say can be brought back <laughs> later on <laughs> for and, good and, and, and or bad. <laughs> and, and that's me admitting I, I'd actually like him more in that Braves lineup. I, over the Dodgers, if I had to pick one, I would have more interest with him in the Atlanta Braves just because of of what we've seen them do to those types of hitters in the last few years. Agreed. I, I think I agree with that. All right, so we're talking about hot stove. We can wrap this up pretty soon. We've covered the Snell-Darvish trades here a couple of times on the show, so I really don't want to dive too deep into them. Is there anything uh, on those trades and the Padres rotation or a fantasy-related that you would like to talk about in regards to it, or has it all been pretty much well-worn territory it's been worn just understand the market so with you darvish he's already been going late first round early second round that's not going to change uh, he's not going to be going down and then in regards to blake snell we're slowly seeing his adp creep up people are thinking new team he's going to get six plus innings pitch per start rather than the five five innings pitch per start that we were seeing in tampa bay if people start to throw those projections into um, their evaluations, then he's going to get shoved up closer to Jack Flaherty, Brandon Woodruff, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Gallon. Um, both are likely going to be too rich for me right now. I could have some interest just because Zach Plesak, Corbin Burns, um, Tyler Glass. Now they also have workload concerns as well. I know that Plesak's thrown 150 plus um, when combining all of his minor league outings. I think that was in 2019. But guys like Corbin Burns, I'm, I'm, I'm just out. I'm out um, anywhere near that cost. And if Snell does get shoved up anywhere near Clayton Kershaw, I don't want anything to do with Snell. That's just a total yin and yang to me. And I want, I want my precious Clayton Kershaw 100 times out of 100. Are you someone who is targeting pitchers that you know can give you more IP because they've been there due to the short season? 
So you know, like evaluating... a Grinke or or a Kershaw, you know, guys that have. I mean, they're getting older, but they've given us a lot of innings over the years, and we can generally rely on them to be innings eaters when Kershaw's not hurt, obviously. So. I think I think that we need to be projecting the average innings pitched for a starting pitcher. So we like to throw out like maybe 180 um, as like the mean, right, for these starting pitchers that go deep into season or deep into the season, deep into the games, and get close to 200. I think that we need to um, loosen our belt buckles on that this year. I think all of the teams and all of the organizations are going to find ways to almost manipulate and give a Dodger-itis sort of um, attack when doing this um, with their rotation this season. And when that's the case, or if that's the case, somebody that's going to be giving you the quality, not the quantity of innings like Clayton Kershaw, you're insane if you are deducting any of his, in air quotes, value, because when you look at the end of the season and his return on investment, it's not a value. He's just a simple fucking profit every single year. And I don't care if it's 150 innings or 160 innings, because what he does when he is on the mound is simply elite. And people are ignoring that, but we're going to draft Max Freed 12, 13 <laughs> picks later. That That is just... Bad. That is bad, 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 bad. And I don't get it. I don't get why. How, why is Kenta Maeda? People are saying, Kenta Maeda, look what the tins, Twins did right when he left L.A. It was a short season. The Dodgers would have done the same things the Twins did last year with Maeda. Maeda would have probably thrown more innings um, than he did with Minnesota or, or equal innings. So we don't, we don't for sure know how the Minnesota Twins are going to actually attack Kenta Maeda or use him. In a full 140, 162 game season, they could very well pull back a little bit as well on him. Um, if they start to notice that the slider isn't as sharp moving deeper into the season, which we've seen in LA and seen why LA moves him to the bullpen. So I'm not confident in a lot of these guys um, that are being drafted right around Clayton Kershaw, but it just seems like I hear Clayton Kershaw's name being thrown in as uncertainty or as risk, or he doesn't go 200 innings. I don't fucking know if Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom are going to go 200 innings. And if nobody does go 200 innings, you're insane if Clayton Kershaw isn't at the, at the top 10 of your list for starting pitchers in 2020. Because Max Scherzer, he has question marks. Jack Flaherty has question marks. How is Milwaukee? Uh, Milwaukee's actually already came out and said how they're going to they're gonna be managing or babying Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. So I, I just don't get it with Clayton Kershaw. I, I <laughs> Anytime I come on a show, it seems like I have to have some sort of Kershaw rant, but um, yeah. it, 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 it's in regards though to, he's just the perfect example for me in regards to when you're evaluating these starting pitchers this year. And what's that mean? What is the average innings pitched for these starting pitchers? Are you really thinking 220 innings for Bieber, DeGrom and Cole and Bauer? And they're just going to just be ran into the ground for 35 starts. Yeah. If so, I get it. And those guys should be in a whole nother realm than the other guys that are going below them. Like, um, Castillo, or I'm sorry, Scherzer, Flaherty, and the group down. So anywhere after Luis Castillo, we should just be throwing our hands into the air then because we have no idea. Every single one of these people have some sort of question mark in regards to health or previous production in volume of getting 170, 180 plus innings. We just haven't seen it um, with any of these guys uh, outside of uh, Lance Lynn and Sonny Gray. So I think that when evaluating these pitchers, don't start to go, he goes 200 innings, but this guy gets hurt and he's old. He goes 150. 
because that 150 might really be a close to a 170, 180 this year. That's what it would look like when you're closing in the gap on volume. If these other pitchers aren't pitching 35, 35 games, 220 plus, 220 plus innings. So that's six to seven innings per start. If you don't get that, which I don't think we're going to, uh, yeah, you need to reevaluate the starting pitcher market then. <laughs> I think that's, I hit the wrong button. I meant to hit this. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. That's the kind of rant we want on this show. Hell yes. That's why we have you on. Maddie Davis. All right. Underscore Maddie Wood underscore on Twitter. We are talking about the hot stove. We're going to wrap up the hot stove finally with the signing of Ha Seong Kim. He's coming over, and he's going to be playing for the Padres. And a lot of people think he's starting. He's being drafted on the assumption that he is the starting shortstop. And this goes back to your Jake Cronenworth tidbit that you were teasing earlier. So how do we look at these two players now? Cronenworth could be traded. People are hoping he'll be traded. But why would the Padres trade him when he could be a great piece on the bench? Because injuries happen. They don't want to just leave themselves high and dry either. I don't, I don't think that they trade him, um, but I have questions or concerns about where are, all these, where are all of these guys going to hit? We know for a fact when pitching against right-handed pitching, or I'm sorry, when hitting against right-handed pitching, Grisham, Tatis, and Machado are going to be your top three. Mm-hmm. Okay. After that, you're going to have Hosmer and Pham. I mean, that's just, and then Will Myers, like, right? That's a, that's. That lineup is pretty much a guarantee. Those top six hitters are going to be hitting in the top six. So then you have a guy in the National League. We Like we said earlier, we're not 100% certain that there is going to be a DH. If there isn't a DH, where is Cronenworth going to play? Is Are they going to use him as a utility guy and shuffle him around in the middle infield and the corner infield? They could do that. Um, he, could, he would be a very frustrating player to own in the NFBC with the bi-weekly settings of the lineups there. Um, so he would be more of a, a, a daily type of guy for me, not a league, not many leagues I play like that. Um, and then with Haas Young Kim, I'm going to have concerns about power translating into America um, uh, initially right away due to the volume, or I'm sorry, the velocity that pitchers have in America. Um, I think that his contact rate is going to dip a little bit and we're going to see some struggles in the power department. I don't I don't have my projections done right now, but I you bro- you mentioned him on the dock, so I wanted to kind of play around with him a little bit. And he's gonna <laughs> is that what what does that uh, mean? Do I need to someone show was calling me? I have no idea. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Um, no worries. Um, I think that he's gonna hit under twenty home runs, and the the more and more um, as baseball evolves into this home run home run environment, I think that he's going to be a below average home run hitter, at least for this season. So when you combine that with, I would assume the batting average isn't going to, you know, be stable and elite like it was playing back home and then hitting lower in that lineup. What are we buying here? Um, are we buying 20, 20 stolen bases, uh, middling batting average, shitty counting stats and below average um, in the power department? Because that's what it looks like to me. And then when you pull up his ADP, he's being drafted in the 11th round on average. Oh, man. Okay. Jonathan VR is going 16th on average at shortstop. I don't want anything to do with these three guys. Jake Cronenworth and Haas Young Kim. Wow. Those three are in this little conglomerate. um, And I'm not really sure what we're doing with them there. 
uh, the upside of Cronenworth, the the flash that he showed last year, Kim being an unknown with stolen base upside, and then VR having stolen base upside. Jonathan VR doesn't have a job, and if he does get one, it's probably going to be as a, a backup player. To be quite honest with you, um, would you Even draft? Even though he's been starting back- the last couple of years. Yeah. So age steadily decline. Everything is dipping. Um, You're not willing to very, take that risk. Joe, no, 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 not at all. I don't care where he signs. I don't think I don't think he's going to have a starting job anywhere. To be quite honest with you, and then teams, uh, and then on the teams that let's say he would start for, he, Cleveland's not going to sign him. So somebody like that that could use a guy like that um, isn't really in the market uh, for somebody like him. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, those three are just, they're real head scratchers for me, to be honest with you. And that's a 10th, that's uh the 10th and 11th round right there in the NF, uh, NFBC ADP. So no, thank you. That's kind of, uh, you know, 50 cent at the stoplight and he's looking at you and he kind of like, he just fucking takes off in his, in his flashy car, like, bye, don't no <laughs> dice. Don't see a loser. So that's where I'm at on all three of those guys. Okay. Well, I wonder if Cronenworth carves out a zobrist like role it's no guarantee we're gonna need more information as spring training opens up and we get kind of the details on what the plan is from jace tingler and company but we don't know that for sure but if he gets an opportunity to kind of bounce around and play almost frequently no matter where he's at and he can handle that maybe i'm a little more interested but right now i would have to agree with you but the thing is, is, is you see, see how many what ifs you just mentioned in a tenth yes. round pick? Why are we, why are we doing what this many what ifs in a tenth round pick? Oh, I'll that's be clear, I haven't drafted him at all. Yeah. Okay, I got yeah. So that's just once. kind of, you know. Um, how about this? Nick Solak of the Texas Rangers is going right go. before him. If you are listening to this, and if you are in that position, just draft Nick Solak over Jake Cronenworth and then tweet me on Twitter afterwards and thank me and you can ship me a beer. That's what yeah. I that's what I would like out of you guys. Yeah. All right. 1000. I done, cannot agree with that, with that anymore. I can't agree with that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I love no, Nick, Nick Solak. Nick Solak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um and and we don't have question marks about Nick Solak, do we? We do with Jake Cronenworth. And I, that, some people well, might say playing like time that. possibly, but I don't see it. I don't see it being a problem. Oh, no, 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 no. Nick Solak will be playing. Uh, he'll be playing every single day. Uh, no, no qualms or questions about that. Very confident in that. Um, and so, yeah, just uh, take Nick Solak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. That's our uh, hot stove fantasy breakdown brought to you by, oh, I haven't even mentioned rotofanatic.com. We got the brand new data monster up. It's a, analytic tool is going to help you win your fantasy leagues in 2021 we have historical data now available so you can compare all the way back to 2015 from the short season so if you get confused by the ridiculous and silly nature of 2020 stats you have a couple of more seasons to compare and maybe get a better understanding as we head into one of the most bizarre and uh, maybe challenging analyst seasons there has ever been based on what people who are in the know have been telling me we want this to be something that everybody can use. So we're going to continue to work on that. But I know that Paul Mamino, who created this, I mean, everybody worked on this, but Paul Mamino is really the brains behind this thing. He is, and he's at P. Mamino Fantasy on Twitter. Please follow him and read his guide because that's how you're going to learn how to use the Data Monster without question. He gives you a step-by-step guide. Hey, here's how the Data Monster works, and here's how it breaks down in hitters, and here's how it looks at pitchers through command and uh, his stuff ERA, which is also an original piece of information created by Paul. 
So there's so much going on here that I think it's hard to break down like like that. And that's why I, I got to right. be honest. I'm going to become totally clean. I'm still learning the Dana Monster and trying to understand it. I don't ever want to be like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I think but that Data Monster, that is really cool. I'll, I'll definitely have to go over there. I'll uh, go over to Roto Fanatic and check. I'll have to play with that a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, give us your feedback, too, because we're trying to improve it and make it more of use for everybody because we have we have, we have whiff rate, uh, in-zone and out-of-zone expectations, and it covers the plate discipline, like I mentioned. So you can really look at a hitter from many different angles and kind of get an idea of what he's been up to and whether what he's going to be doing going forward is really legitimate or not and when we add our expected stats which will be coming out soon from crosby spencer that's going to make it even more clear and it's going to give you a better focus of what the hitters and the pitchers and prospects by the way you can also compare prospects so there's so much going on with this data monster that it's hard to encapsulate it in just like a like a quick minute or two it's a it's a great tool i know that and we're only going to make it better so that much i can guarantee you matthew davis i promise and I swear on this date, January eleventh, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I, I I love and I love and appreciate um, nerds like you that are able to and the guy. Well, well Paul is the guy that you mentioned that. Yeah, was the Paul Mamino. Paul Mamino. Um, shout out to him uh, because those those are the type of people that help me become a better fantasy player because I'm not the one that's creating too many formulas and making up my own metrics and I don't do all that. I just I I, I take and cheat. And, and use all of the smart people like Alex Chamberlain. Um, shout out to him. He's uh, an incredibly, oh, yeah. incredibly intelligent human being. Not the greatest fantasy baseball player, um, but he can run <laughs> laps around me when it comes to science and data and metrics and stuff like that. So I just try and pick um, you know, somebody smarter like him. I try and pick their brain and then take that type of information um, and then gravitate that towards the NFBC market and just, you know, hopefully I make the best decisions possible. <laughs> you know, Alex, uh, yeah, just had his recent article about um, blast percentage and he's talking more about, uh, what is it, the vertical pitch. Um, boy, you know, it's, there's so many things that he does so well that I'm still trying to understand. And I agree. People like him and Paul that are much smarter than me when it comes to the data and analytics of fantasy are people that teach me because I take a little bit of intuition with the data and try to roll it all into my actual kind of analysis. That's right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everyone out there doing the dirty work. But enough about that. Now it is time to talk about Matt. It's time for, ladies and gentlemen, Enrico's Inquisition. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Scott Boris or Rob Manfred? I could do without hearing Scott Boris all the time on Twitter. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh. <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a contest. <laughs> Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> yeah! I figured we'd bring in Matt on Enrico's Inquisition with some I Love LA by Randy Newman. You have no many time how no how you have no idea how many times I have uh, left Dodger Stadium. Uh, 
a little into <laughs> a little too intoxicated after a Dodgers W and uh, goddamn this song it it gives me chills just listening to it right now I didn't get to listen to it in 2020 I cannot wait to go back to Dodgers Stadium and uh, eventually whenever that time comes to high five the fans in Los Angeles and to leave the stadium with a with a win uh, this, <laughs> this is the absolute stone cold nuts when it comes to baseball songs for me well done. Hell yeah. And it connects to our show because it's in the Naked Gun, which is what our show is named after. So, great scene. Okay, I, was Leslie Nielsen. I was wondering what that was about with the Palazzo. I love that. It's a great name. Thank you. Yeah. We, we're huge Naked Gun fans, and this song, even though we're not Dodger fans or LA guys, me and Chris, the co host of the show, we've had a lot of fun listening to this song when we've had a few. Pops back in the day and list, thinking about the naked gun and how silly that whole baseball scene is. The whole, that, you got like eight different announcers and you got <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's vacuuming the plate with the vacuum. And there's, uh, it's just so much, so many funny bits from that. Uh, will always be funny I, to me. I legit might watch that after uh, the girls go to bed tonight. I try and the girls go to bed around seven o'clock. My wife and five month daughter um, go to bed pretty early and I'll stay up for about an hour and a half or two hours afterwards and try and have my own little me time with a movie. And Naked Gun might be the one tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what I'm talking about, man. It's worth your time. If you want to have a laugh and you're an L.A. guy, it's even better. It's perfect. Absolutely. It does have O.J. Simpson in it, which is weird. I will admit that. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> I was about to say, you can't go, can't go wrong with O.J. Simpson in a comedy, right? <laughs> uh, it's just going to always be weird now. Yeah. But, hey. Anyways, let's get to it, Matt. So we got some doozies here, like I say. We'll give you some this or that. Get your opinion. We'll find out a little bit more about Matty Davis beyond the fantasy analyst. So let's dive right into this. Uh, golf or gambling? Oh, man. Uh, gambling. Mm, there we go. I figured that But out, But, yeah, but um, asterisk to that. So when I go to Las Vegas, um, and I've been to Las Vegas a lot of times, I'm not a poker player, blackjack player, um, throwing coins into a slot. I don't gamble on anything like that. Um, so for gambling, for me, it would be strictly and solely on, on sports. So MLB or NFL, and that's it. Um, for golfing, I actually just told my wife today, I said, man, I wish I'd had gotten into golf. I'd never been into golf. I took a golf class in college, and then um, I kind of got decent at just actually being able to hit the ball straight. And then never, never took off with that. And that was uh, over a decade ago. So, um, yeah, just give me gambling. <laughs> okay. Did, yeah. I'm a degenerate. Yeah. Well, if you're a high stakes player, you're probably involved enough to know that, yeah, you might be. And that's okay with me. As long as everything else is taken care of, you can be a degenerate. And I believe it is. So kudos to you for playing high stakes, enjoying gambling. And in fact, not playing slots because I think slots are so dumb. I've never played slots. I don't get it. Some people love to sit in there. Uh, there's no skill involved. It's just like a you're pulling a lever. You might as well be on like the line working an eight-hour shift at at Ford or GM or something. I don't I don't understand it. Also, um, in regards to like the finances behind golfing and gambling, one could argue that golfing is more expensive than gambling. So yes. both cost money. Yes. So you can't just say that you're burning money on one side and not the other. That's why I, mean, I quit golf. Sport. I okay, quit golf and, and about I'm, 10 years I'm ago. Of, okay, and I'm the type of person that likes to have 
the best of everything. So I couldn't imagine the type of shit that I would be trying to buy. <laughs> fucking, I'd look like uh, Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack showing up to the fucking golf course. It'd be ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's, a, it's better for everybody that I do not golf. Okay. All right. Uh, how about this? Um, Tom Hanks or Denzel Washington? Oh, give me Denzel all day. But oh. uh, Forrest Gump is one of my favorite movies of all time. Ooh, so okay. that's that was that's hard. But I think the quality of, of films overall for me, um, the ones that I like at least, um, would give me Denzel Washington. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm going... Denzel by a nose now. I've actually been on a Denzel kick recently. Watched some of his movies from the 90s that I never saw. Um, like Devil in a Blue Dress, which is like a film noir. And it's really good. I'd, I'd never seen it before. Uh, Fallen was another movie from 98 I hadn't seen with him. Uh, it's a, like a thriller. So there's a lot of movies that, you know, Training Day and those are, you know, his Academy Award winning performances and Glory and things like that. Those are huge movies that people know him for. But he has such a long IMDb list. So I think both of them are outstanding, but if you force me to just stick with one, I think I'll probably go with Denzel by nose. One of my favorite movies, uh, Man on Fire with him and Dakota Fan. Oh, yeah. So good. So, him and Tony so Scott. Good. Yeah, him and Tony Scott worked together so a lot as the director, and yeah, they did a lot of those fast-paced kind of like action-intense movies. Yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, Tommy Lasorda has passed away, unfortunately, so we already, we already covered that. But I thought... I would throw this at you, and it might be an impossible answer, but Lasorda or Kershaw? Who would you go with? Clayton Kershaw. Oh. <laughs> it's just, it's just no, yeah, man. He's, uh, he's, he's my Kobe Bryant. Uh, and if you oh. know me and know anything about me, um, yeah, he's just something, uh, I've, I, it sounds crazy, but I've, I've like seen every fucking pitch he's thrown. Um, <laughs> so, uh, a lot of a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of personal awards that he's received, and uh, seeing him get to win the World Series or be part of that was um, more special than me being a two-year-old watching the '88 World Series, just because I have a you know a, a t-shirt and a hat that says that. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. He's also um, people don't know about his foundations and what he does every off season. He goes to Africa and he gives back to the communities over there. He has a lot of uh, stuff that he does in the Los Angeles communities as well. Him and his wife, Ellen are, uh, are just always constantly, constantly trying to help people out and, and just do better around them um, and make, make others uh, around them better as well. And so, yeah, I've, I've seen more of Clayton Kershaw and I've seen, I've seen the whole roller coaster. I've, I've rode the whole wave with him. And uh, so I would have to go Clayton Kershaw. But, uh, you know, rest in peace, Tommy. Love you. Of course. No disrespect, Mr. Lasorda. Um, what's harder, fatherhood or being a fantasy analyst? Being a fantasy analyst. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, the hardest part about being a father is um, I, I don't even know, uh, to be honest with you. So, the, uh, I know you're yeah. still in the early stages of it, so it's not yeah, like you have a so, ton of experience. Brooklyn's five months, but um, everything's going great. She's healthy and happy. She's continuously gaining weight. She loves to eat. She's starting to gain personality and smile. Um, I'm not getting a lack of sleep. My wife has kicked ass in regards to all of that. Uh, So there's just nothing. There hasn't really been. um, I think the hardest part for me would be if there was some sort of health complications. I think that anytime, especially with what's going on in the world right now, 
um, health would be uh, first and foremost. Um, and I'm a hypochondriac, so I'll actually even say that. That's I freak out all the time. Uh, so if anything, even anything even little starts to crop up in the back of my head, I start to over um, over analyze things. So I think that that would be the hardest part for me. Maybe even in the future, if she falls off a bike or something like that. Oh, um, so so health, you know, boo boos, maybe some of those things. Um, being a fantasy analyst is much harder though. Um, when you're wrong, they certainly let you know about it. Um, <laughs> I don't think that I'll ever be able to get off the the smell the nasty stench of uh, being the John Gray guy. And then last year I went out on a pretty far limb on Lance McCullers. Um, so those two weren't really good looks for the brand, but um, uh, yeah, uh, both are great. Both are fun. Uh, love being a dad the most, but being a fan fantasy analyst is harder. That's so interesting that you just said that because one of the first things we kind of bonded over was the Jonathan Gray fan club. You were the former president and uh, Dylan Bundy as well, right? Uh, he was also somebody that you were early yeah, on. Right? Uh, yeah, Dylan Bundy um, had a, a fantastic season last year. Which was this great is news. Actually, this is actually a really good fantasy baseball like um, sort of moment to kind of learn or reflect on or look at yourself in the mirror. You always have to be honest with yourself um, when investing in a player, uh, when you're looking at somebody's profile, when you're in that spot of the draft and you're questioning yourself, is it player A, is it player B, or can I wait and just get player C later? Um, Dylan Bundy was a player for me that I have continuously invested in, someone similar to John Gray, Kevin Gossman. Um, it's nice to see that Kevin Gossman's starting to get some love as well. Uh, but the problem with Dylan Bundy I'm going to be completely out on him this year, and it really hurts me to say that. Oh. Uh, I, I, yeah, uh, I have been a big Dylan Bundy truther. I like to say. Um, Too high for you uh, Yeah, you know, um, he's starting to get the Al Bundy hype before he was getting the Ted Bundy hype. So now that he's <laughs> kind of surpassed Ted Bundy, um, and he's getting close to Al Bundy. I think that it's just too much for me. There's pitchers going around him that I think pos um, possess more upside. Um, there were some things last year at the end as well, even in a shortened season that started to cause some concerns for me. I had him um, on an NFBC main event team with Zach Betancourt. We won that uh, main event team with Dylan Bundy on it. So there's some there's some love the, still there for him, but watching him down the stretch, especially when you have that much money invested in leagues, you you tend to notice um, and see everything, unfortunately. And for me, um, I, I'll just like I know I do this a lot, but just looking at the ADP, um, I like to kind of just choose these guys and I would much rather have Zach Wheeler just putting it plain and simple. Um, that would be the person that I would be targeting if we were going for a pitcher in that um, area. Yeah, give me Zach Wheeler over Dylan Bundy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can pull up uh, some stuff if we want to dive into Dylan. Oh Bundy. no 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 um, no no! no, no. Okay. I'll take your word okay. for it for now. But that is interesting. That's something I'll actually maybe, maybe look I'll do a write up afterwards. Maybe I'll do a write up. Um, on there you him. go. And it's there why you go. I think? Yeah, yeah. Give a little, get some some cheap clicks there. But by the way, one of your current write ups is about busting bargains, right? Wasn't that one of your more recent ones? Yeah, um, that one came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then recently Matt Cupferly, my podcast uh, co-host, and I, we kind of, we were putting together a Google Doc, and it was on, oh, or actually it was that one, um, bus inside the top 100 and then bargains outside the top 200. Yeah, and I read we that one. It's good. Together, okay, cool. Thank you. We were putting together the Google Doc, and 
I said, hey, you know what? Why don't you just give me a write-up on all four of your players and I'll do a write-up and then we'll end up using that as our, our Google Doc and then I'll shoot it over to the editors and let them, you know, kind of shine it up and make it into an article. You know, <laughs> since you start, to, since you dive into players so much, you know, on an art or on a podcast segment like that, when you're really just kind of putting certain players under a magnifying glass, you do have to dig really deep. Um, and so I figured, hey, let's just let's put it down on scratch paper and turn it into something. And it, it came out to be a, a really fun piece. I've got some positive feedback on that. Um, so thank you for reading that. I appreciate that. Um, is there anybody that, that, uh, popped out to you in that article that you wanted me to mention? No, I, I want everyone to go to read it though. Check it out on, uh, ftnfantasy.com. It's busting bargains. And there's a couple players that one in particular that I, uh, think I'll say the one player Corbin Burns is in this article. Uh, I won't say how yes. that's a teaser. Okay. I want you guys to go Beautiful. read it because Corbin Burns is getting a ton of attention right now. So l- go find out what these guys had to say about him and then get back to me send us email at palazzo podcast two l's two z's palazzo podcast on twitter palazzo podcast at protonmail.com and uh, let us know what you thought of it anywho let's keep moving forward here with the inquisition uh ozzy albies or Catel Marte? oh baby i have okay that's tough because you just mentioned two players and they have different acquisition costs so yes. we're, are we, we're baking in costs i'm, I'm assuming right okay you can do i do have you want Here's, I'm going to try and get better at marketing and teasing things like you. I <laughs> ran a poll earlier last week uh, in regards to Ozzy Albies and his current NFBC ADP. He is you going um, he's going on average at the beginning of the third round, sometimes at the end of the second round. And um, looking at the results, majority of those people were okay paying that price. Now, I have huge question marks, but I'm not going to – I don't want to waste a piece here. Um, I understand the upside and all of that. So – um, all of that's going to be covered, the pros, the cons, everything in between. It's not biased towards picking him or not picking him, but it'll be a fun piece that's coming out shortly at ftnfantasy.com. However, that. I'm just, that was totally unscripted, by the way. So. Hey, so I'm just going to be, I guess I'm just going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to take the cheap answer and say, I'm going to take the person that costs less. I, I, I have, I actually, yeah, because for one, he costs less, and Cattell Marte is going to be hitting at the top of the lineup, and Ozzy always isn't. I'm kind mm-hmm. of confident in that. And, and he I hit the ball hard people, last year. Cattell Marte did. He, he did, and everyone was ready to just go all in on his profile right after 2019, which is fine. And we're just now baking in too much on his on his down 2020 season, yeah. and I don't think that that's correct. And if Ozzy always does hit fifth, you're going to – you are going to be a very, very frustrated fantasy owner all season long. And if it comes when you're acquiring somebody in the second or third round, I don't want any fucking question mark about where is this guy hitting in the lineup? Why the fuck are you drafting someone if you have that question? <laughs> now, if now if you don't have that question and you're like, nope, I guarantee I'll bet my I'll bet my life insurance on it. Ozzy Albies is hitting second. He is going to be hitting between Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. all season. His wrists won't have any problems, and he's going to be able to succeed from both sides of the plate as a switch hitter. Sure, then I might get it. But we're just we're piling on all of this stuff, and I don't. When I'm buying something in the early part of, of the third round or late second round, yeah, I just want to I just want to give him my debit card and swipe and be gone. I don't want to think about <laughs> it. I want to be like, all right, that's great. That was an awesome draft pick. Let's go on to the next pick. Let's prepare for the next one. Because you just, with a player like that, you don't know 
you just don't i don't know i i just i'm still concerned about the profile but i'll leave that for the piece of ftnfantasy.com fantastic check it out everybody uh whiskey or craft beer oh baby uh craft beer uh yeah but i will admit um there have been friends that have sent me nice whiskeys and um mm. my wife catered to that on top and got me a nice glass and a big old you know some people are gonna call me oh you pussy for drinking with a ball of ice or whatever but <laughs> i like to have it a little bit chilled just a little bit you gotta be and, you man um, you be yourself yeah it's just slightly chilled um it's not it's not anything that's um you know too much it's not a, it's not on the rocks or anything like that and i'm not diluting it with anything like that but i do like to taste whiskeys but um at the end of the day i'm a mailman and after walking 15 miles and burning over a thousand calories easily each day I like to have a couple of beers, um, but you know what? That being said, I don't like to have a lot of beer. Um, hmm. So it's it's a it's like a. I know I'm not that fun. So if we're in, if we're ever in oh. Vegas, I know that I, Michael. I know that you don't drink, but um, if you saw me in Vegas, so to speak, uh, and we were standing around socializing in a, in a public drinking place. Yeah, I'd probably be tapping out after two, maybe three if things were getting really weird. But after three, man, I'm done. Uh, that's it you for know, me. It's actually really strange. I don't, um, you know, I, I, like, I'm free from opioids and stuff, but uh, I never had a problem with drinking, and I have had drinks over the, you know, over the years. I just don't find it to be interesting. I'd just rather be sober most of the time. Um, but it's there is a special event that I do with my friends every year where it's like a three-day retreat, and there's drinking involved, and I have partaken in that. So I never want to give people the false assumption that i never had a drink anymore but i really oh, don't okay. well, I, I literally like maybe drink once a year if i do it's really that little <laughs> you know i i will admit to um I've, i go in waves of like cutting things out um you know i used to not as much anymore i would try different diets so let's go on the keto diet and let's 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 fucking oh, be yeah. like joe rogan let's be like joe rogan podcast about all that stuff okay, <laughs> with okay. My so yeah so okay so i do you know i do shit like that um and so uh, I did during the holiday season in 2018, I believe a couple years ago, I went, I just wanted to go no alcohol. And um, not that I'm a hardcore drinker or anything, like I mentioned, I'll have a couple craft beers. My body, my mind, my clarity, my gut, um, everything from the inside on the outside, mentally, physically, that was the greatest I have ever felt. And so you might ask, well, why, why did you have a drink again? I, I only I put this like, you know, it was a 30 day one month type of thing that I was doing to see for whatever reason. And I actually went uh, maybe a week or two after that uh, because I just had felt so good. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why you're right. I, I don't know why people drink. Um, it's social. It's fun. Like I had a beer on the show with you, you know, because yeah. we're socializing or whatever. I think that maybe for me, um, it's just is it part of business no um i don't know um it's for me a social it's, lubricant. It, it, it is it's it, okay, it, it, it is a social lubricant yeah um some people feel more comfortable i watched definite. a movie recently that was like based on this premise that the human, okay it's called the another round it's a danish film it's about this premise the theory that the human body is 0.05 percent short on alcohol content so these people they don't get drunk they try to have like a 0.05 under the legal limit BAC at all times. It was really interesting. <laughs> ah, it takes that wonder, edge off, that anxiety for some people. I wonder, you know what though? I would 
I would say, and I'm not a doctor or anything, I don't want to start going down this road. I would say if that's what they were doing, I'd probably prefer that over like taking a Xanax or something all day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, those pills yeah, are just as dangerous or that's, worse. That's, <laughs> you know, conversation for another day. But yeah, give me, give me the craft beer just because I'm comfortable with that. And uh, if I had two drinks of whiskey, a second finger or two of whiskey, I would be uh, whoo, off my rockers <laughs> because I am a pretty lightweight. I am pretty lightweight. Oh, well, I hear you talking about the main event and going to Vegas and having a good time and wanting to see your friends again. So uh, I wonder what that's like. And uh, maybe maybe someday I'll be a part of that and we'll get to see each other in person. So. But yeah, I got a long I'm, way to go before I work up to the main event still. Hey, that's okay. And you know what, man? If um, And I want other people to know this too. The, the community there is so opening and welcoming. Um, show up. Get a cheap hotel. Don't stay at the Bellagio. Don't get a suite. You don't have to go to a steakhouse every night. Um, get a, a hotel that's in your price range and it's free to walk around. It's free to hang out in the ballrooms and the conference rooms. No one's going to say, let me see your proof of your main event purchase, bro. <laughs> um, come hang okay. out, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Treasure yeah. Island. It's cheap over dude, there. <laughs> dude, you could even, for the brand, man, um, bring all your podcast stuff, set up a fucking booth and start recording people. I mean, there's that's so many idea. opportunities. There's so many people to meet. It's an amazing experience. I've made so many personal friends throughout the years. Uh, I started going in 2015, so this will be my sixth year going in person. And the list of friends in person, you know, phone numbers and text messages and who I'm hanging out with when I'm there, that list grows every single year. And unfortunately, last year we weren't able to link up and hopefully 2021 is a little bit better. And if it isn't, though, I'm very, very confident. 2022, for anybody that has never been, make that your calendar year to go. In 2022, um, I think that that's the year that will be like the truly, truly historically elite uh, time to hang out in Vegas. Because by then, I think, um, I, I, you know, politically, health-wise, pandemic-wise, uh, everything in between that's more important than fantasy baseball, um, all of which is more important. Um, I think that we won't have to uh, stress as much on that. And um, maybe everyone's going to be looking to have a little bit more fun. So, yeah, maybe try and plan that, too. Don't plan on going to the main event, but come come hang out. Shoot a show. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, I think I'll be there. I'll, I'll buy you. I'll, I'll ask you a quick question. Uh, ice cream or gelato? Well, ice cream's a serious problem for me. Yeah, ice cream all day. I've had gelato. <laughs> but gelato can be done okay. right, but it depends on the gelato. It depends on okay. the gelato. So. so in Vegas, have you have you been to Vegas? I've been to Vegas about four times. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So the food the food industry there and and the crafts and niches that you can get into. Um, there's a, a spot called Little Italy in um, oh in Park MGM, and I think they have them uh, maybe in the Midwest somewhere as well. But there's some good gelato there. And albeit it's not from Italy itself, uh, it is some premium gelato. So if you do go, we will have to get some gelato. Hell yeah. I went into the bar that was like negative 30 degrees. I think it was over yeah. at the Lux mm-hmm. or something. Did you, you get a big like old, a... did you put a mink fur on, like a big yeah, old coat? Yeah, yeah. You can only be in there for like a half hour and you buy like a $25 drink and that's it. And, and, then, that was... and then you fucking smash it on the ground when you're done because it's made of ice, the glass. Uh, Oh, is that what happened? It's possible. That yeah, happened. Well, that's what that you're happened. supposed to do. You're supposed to Shit. Like, oh, crush I it like robbed. a cake and then, and then you smash it. <laughs> I was robbed of a Vegas experience. God damn yeah. it. Oh, well. Uh, okay, Christ. Oh, we got so much more we got to talk about. So let's wrap it up with this. This is what we always ask at the end. For love 
or money? Love. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, gotta go with love. Have to. We had some. We had our first money answers recently, so it's been overwhelmingly love. But recently, uh, last week it was uh, Chris Towers said money. <laughs> he said you can always find more love, but mm-hmm. I, I know you're going to speak truthfully, so I appreciate that. Yeah, my uh, my NFBC auction partner Zach Betancourt, uh, he would uh, probably say money as well. Single, doesn't want to get married, doesn't want to have kids. Awesome person, huge heart. Trust me. Sure. Um, but I think he would uh, side on the uh, with the money as well. If if I was guessing. Okay. Well, there it is. So, so I did get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. I understand both sides, and that's why we ask these questions. We put it to them every time, everybody. That's why you listen to the show. We ask the tough questions on, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo's Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Two L's, two Z's, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Let's get into the fantasy breakdown, do an email or two, and get the hell out of here. It's time for your foundation, your fantasy foundation. I'm trying to ask everybody I have on, we want to get some inside info. We don't want you to give away the farm. We would never ask anybody to do that, especially when you do it for a living. But we do want to get an idea, a sense of, Matt, how you approach your drafts, how you start off, draft prep season even. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions we're going to ask, but we'll keep it fairly simple. So let's start right off with this. It's a new year. Fantasy football's wrapping up. You're starting to go into fantasy baseball now. What is one of the first things you do when you are prepping and sitting down? Is it like one thing that's a focus first on and foremost? Correct. Let's pull, peel back the curtain here. So Ooh. I, I try and ignore and stay away from everything due to being a high-stakes fantasy football player at NFFC through the months of October and November. I am doing absolutely nothing. The only thing that is being done is the baseball forecaster is showing up at my doorstep, and then I'm not even looking at it until December 1st. But once December 1st hits, um, I hop into an NFBC draft champion. So that's one of the first things I'll do, along with looking at the NFBC ADP. And every month, I will push that calendar of ADP data up towards the next one. So now that it's January 11th, I'll have the data from uh, December 11th to January 11th, looking at the most recent NFBC draft champions ADP data. I like to use that as a tool. A lot of people are going to agree. Some might disagree. But for me, it's good for me to get a grasp of who's going where and where is that wiggle room. Um, the further we get into the, the off season, I will start to build projections. I will, um, create my X ROI model, which is an expected ROI model for auction leagues. When I can get all of that data in, um, which takes a lot of time, then I can really, really, really start to, um, understand how high can I go for somebody that I'm wanting to target or how low is somebody going Um, that you're going to be able to be in on depending on what my information is giving me. But right from the get-go, I can't do any of that unless I get into a draft and it's not a mock draft. So for me, mock drafts are completely useless. Um, Don't hate me. Don't throw anything at me. Don't throw food at me for not liking them. Um, (laughs) I I, I politely decline when I'm asked to join them. Um, I simply and honestly think that they are a waste of time. People are not investing their money. Um, I've even heard people talk about doing, you know, magazine mock drafts, which are big time, right? You're in a magazine. That's huge. Um, and saying, yeah, well, it was for the, for the magazine and I wanted to shoot to be the best or this or the worst, or like I wanted to have the best, most eye popping team. And so people might do stuff out of the ordinary in those mock drafts to 
be the one that's talked about or there's nothing at stake. Um, there's nothing at stake. There's no money that's driven. Any draft that I'm doing um, at minimum has an overall prize of I think thirty thousand dollars with a league prize of a thousand. So the people that I'm drafting with, like right now, I'm in an NFBC ADP and it has. Doug Gruber, who's a Hall of Famer, James Tominey, who won the overall last year in the main event. So I'm already drafting with guys that are. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the competition, it's like a main event right now. And that's what I want to. I want to do that immediately. I don't want to. I don't want to pussyfoot and tiptoe around the competition. What the fuck are you doing that for? Do you want to win? <laughs> do you want to be? Do you want to be the best? Do you want to become the best? Then you need to compete with the best. Yeah, right? but wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Did you get there? Or did you start somewhere else to get to that point? Like a so, few years back, because you've been yeah, working your way in. Sure, absolutely. Everybody has to start somewhere. So in 2014 was my first NFBC league, and I co-owned that team with uh, the aforementioned Zach Betancourt. Um, we did an online league, and I think we finished you know, inside the top 10 overall, but we won the league, and we're like, holy shit, this is the NFBC National Fantasy Baseball Championship. We're fucking great. Let's go to Vegas. <laughs> So the next year we pack our bags and we book only one. And we thought we were like hot shit. This was 2015. Um, we thought like having a live event team was just like, you're a badass now. You have made it. You've arrived on the scene. You're sitting at the big boy table. Um, Dave Potts, Todd Zola, to name a few, were in that uh, that auction. And we got, we learned. We, we, got, we got annihilated for the most part. And it was a very grueling and tough learning experience. The next year we showed up and won that league and finished sixth overall. Um, so wow. it was a quick turnaround for us. And then after that, I think things started to click for us. Um, we started to expand the profiles together and separately as well. 2017, you know, started getting into the main, let's do a main event and the auction championship 2018. I'm going to do my own main event and we'll do um, let's do the $2,500 auction championship in a main event together. Last year we did five main events together. Um, so that continues to grow for me, but it, it did start to be honest with you in 2014 and it was a small bankroll. And then I did get overly confident and cocky and almost kind of just threw all that money. Like someone, if, if, if in the industry, most people say you got to manage your bankroll and you know, for me, it was still, ah, we're having fun doing this, but I want to go to Vegas and I want to compete with the best. And so yeah. basically any of that money I split with Zach, we threw that all in on an auction champion the next year and lost it. We were back to square zero. But our confidence level of being on the stage, I think, told us, even getting our asses whooped, that if we if we stick with this and we continue the grind, now that we've learned, I think in some seasons when you have a, a, a non-profitable season like 2016, you might learn more um, from that than, than you would in, in, a, in a successful, profitable season. And I think that that holds true for him and I. And... Um, yeah, we won a main event last year together. Uh, we've, we've done okay together. We're going to be, uh, <laughs> teaming up in the, uh, $500, um, co-owner tag team championship yeah. that I, I created. Yeah. So he'll be my partner in that, which I kind of actually wanted to create that. So people could get more of a feel of having a co-owner and how to run teams together and, and the dynamic, um, and the versatility that you have to have on, if you love somebody and he, your partner doesn't like somebody, it's it's really fucking interesting to see how you guys are going to go about either working around that um, or, um, you know, figuring out a way to agree on things that you disagree on. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a it's a weird and different dynamic. But I'm telling you, anytime you co-own a team with somebody that is sharp, it's ironing 
sharpening iron. And that's similar to doing these early drafts together. If you are doing these things together with somebody that can make you better and to hold your own ground, there can be, I'll, I'll send him my draft boards and he'll be like, I don't like what you did in this pick. And he's very <laughs> blunt and honest about it. Not a lot of people will say that to you, even on Twitter, even the people that don't have profile photos and no followers that are just fucking trolling you on your draft board for whatever reason, he will be the most um, honest and brutal person with me. And that process with him um, has definitely helped me become a better player. Hmm. Okay. And that's, that's kind of, and going back to the live events, that's kind of how I've gotten to where I'm at is working with somebody along the way. And then we've kind of allowed ourselves now to, you know, spread out and do our own things. Um, but we still do, we still team up for sure. Um, and we'll have a couple main events and some other things going on together this year. Yeah, I'm in that league uh, with Eric Cross as my partner. And honestly, I like Eric Cross. I really do. But we don't know each other that well. So this will be a real learning experience for me. And I'm really excited about it. It kind of came out of uh, being in Draft Champions, Draft Champagne's uh, league with the podcast, Battle of the Podcast Season 2. And then you came up with this idea, which I love. So I'm really grateful that I lucked into that opportunity. And now I know. I know, Matt, that I will learn a lot more about Eric once this league gets rolling and we have to start breaking down our own opinions on players. So I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. I am. And you know what? The payouts in that uh, league are going to be really nice. There, It's a standalone league, uh, satellite league, meaning we do not have an overall um, prize pool going to X amount of leagues. It's just this one league. It'll be 15 teams, 30 players. Each of us have a co-owner. And um, it's $500 to enter. And... The payouts are going to be really enticing. The link will be created <laughs> soon and you're going to like it. No, I'm serious. So, so you're splitting $500. How many leagues can you enter in um, for a $250 entry fee, you know, and be splitting 4,000 bucks with your buddy or whatever it is, because right. there's no, none of that money is going into another pot. So these standalone leagues, once you start to put in just a decent amount of money, you know, 500 bucks is nothing to scoff at. And, no, um, not at all. Yeah, I, I think that the, the payouts, um, the league will be happy with the payouts. And I'm hoping that this will um, continue to carry some some steam moving forward. And maybe eventually more people will want to do this sort of uh, this contest. And there could be uh, potentially an overall contest to it, to a prizes wise. Eventually. There's, yes, there's so many great oh, ideas. No, you'll always have. Game. You will always have the saying or be able to say that you were in the first ever NFBC Tag Team Championship. I'm going to put it on my wall right here, baby. That's it. <laughs> Add it to the resume. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really grateful that you came up with the idea. And, hey, Eric Cross, if you're listening, we got some work to do, buddy. So get a hold of me. I'll get a hold of you. Get your shit together, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of other analysts, is there one person or is there an is it an entity or like a website that you really rely on? I mean, you, obviously you work at FTN, so I don't want to blow up your spot here, but when it comes to your own personal analysis and breakdowns, is there one person that you're like, I got to get this person's opinion? Or is that too narrow? It's just it's just never one person's opinion. Um, it's never one person's opinion. Definitely not. However, uh, that person is Zach Betancourt. A lot of people listening to this, whoever you are, likely don't know who that is, but he is my high stakes NFBC partner. So if I'm not doing a draft by myself, he's, he's a part of it. Um, and our process begins in the winter and it goes throughout and we grew up together, uh, went to the same elementary school, went to the same high school. We were college roommates. Um, the, yeah, it would be him, uh, especially him being a high-stakes poker player as well. I oh. think that um, 
he takes a different look at things as I do. Obviously everybody looks at things differently, but for him to be able to ground me and be honest with me and blunt with me is, is important. Um, I could go to other people and maybe they want to, you know, kind of give me a ring around or go around the bush on something. I'm, I'm, I just, I, I want a concrete, brutal, honest answer. And I'm going to get that from him. And I'm confident that he's sharp enough to give me that answer. So that's who I would go to for questions. I don't really like to ask anybody for questions to be honest. So if I am asking a question, uh, I would go to him. I do want to throw some quick shout outs though outside of FTN Fantasy. If you if you do not have um, an FTN subscription whatsoever, they are running um, the FTN daily side side of things and the FTN bets is running a promotion for the NFL playoffs. You can get both of the all of the content, all the articles, um, all the projections, ownership projections, and everything for $19.99 for the rest of the NFL playoffs. So $20 and you get yourself a subscription to all sorts of NFL content for betting and DFS. Um, hmm. I'm using it and it's been good to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> those guys are really, really sharp. It's crazy, man. Um, screenshots and stuff on Twitter can get really annoying, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real thing over there. And for $20, like if you don't like it, you lost 20 bucks, but I mean, how many, how many entries are you putting in DraftKings or FanDuel or um, how many, you know, parlays for fun do you do for, NFL Sunday playoffs and how much of that do you lose? So throwing 20 bucks at something and giving it a shot and, you know, possibly having fun while turning more of a profit and then joining the community as well over there, the, the, the friends and family over there are really, really um, a, a lot of good people. And that's kind of what that, that site was pretty much built on um, was just, they, they whittled out people that they didn't like due to X, Y, and Z, and they wanted to get together a lot of, a lot of good people. Um, and that's kind of what the company was built around. So if you haven't already, go check that out, please. Uh, most of my work will be available at ftnfantasy.com. But when I'm not building my own projections and I'm not doing my own XR, XROI model, um, fan graphs. I'm still OG, old school fan graphs. Give me fan graphs. Um, StatCast is cool. All that stuff is baseball savant, very cool. But I'm fan graphs. I like to dig in there. And then I'm also pro baseball HQ. I love the mm. metrics that they've created as well. So if I had to pick two just strictly baseball sites, um, those would be the two that I would have to give uh, my heart to. There it is. Well done. Hey, don't forget this show is brought to you by rotofanatic.com. We're coming for you. We're coming for all you guys. And no, Roto Fanatic is my third favorite. <laughs> no, don't even fucking do that. Come on, it's fine. Let's get, it's a good website. Though. We're on our way up. We're learning a lot and we're growing one day at a time. And we're don't fine being who we are. That. So, yeah, yeah. Don't. I love it. Uh, uh, is there a statistical tools or stats that you really focus on? Like a couple for hitting or pitching that are like priorities? Like, uh, I don't know, ground ball rate or something like that when it comes to hitters. Is there a few that you really focus on or is it's just a bunch? Yeah, you take it all absolutely. in? Absolutely. Um, I don't take it all in. Uh, I think if you take in too much, you can mind fuck yourself first and yes. foremost. I also think uh, that holds true to your audience um, or who you're listening to. I think that you kind of over over a long period of time, the more that you do this, the more analysts you'll get comfortable listening to, the more analysts you'll be um, entertain with, or even if you don't agree with them, you're able to come across or understand what's going on or being said. Um, if you do too much of that, I think that maybe it can lead you down rabbit holes that you 
maybe shouldn't go down. And for me, I'm I really try and stay away from too much um, too much of the stat cast stuff. I'm good with the launch angle, and the barrel rates, and the exit velocity and the max EV. But after that, um, I, I tend to simmer off a little bit. So let's let's go with pitchers first. K minus walk rate. That's one of my favorite original. Just it's very simple. You get your strikeout rate and you subtract it from your walk rate. And then I like to correlate that with swinging strike rate. Um, if you're able to see that the pitcher's missing bats and that K minus walk rate, um, anything 20% north is obviously elite. Um, mm-hmm. Then you can have some things that are, are going to perk my interest a little bit more than usual. Um, for hitters, it's the quality of hitters um, when looking at how hard they're hitting the ball. So this is this is where I would get into the stat cast. First, I would look at uh, just an original metric of the hard hit rate. So we look at the hard hit rate. Wow, it's 43%. That's really good. That's that's awesome. But if he's a player that's hitting the ball and or hitting the ball on the ground a lot, it's not that awesome. So you need to correlate that hard hit rate with the ground ball rate and the line drive rate. Then if you notice that the line drive rate is is not, you know, something egregious compared to the ground ball rate, then you can look at, okay, how much are they lifting the ball? So that's when you look at the launch angle and then compare that launch angle to what the home run per fly ball rate was. Then once you get that, then you can start looking at, okay, how hard are they hitting it? What's that max EV? What is, how much, uh, how many barrel, what was the barrel rates? How many, how many balls did they barrel up? Then you start. So to you don't just jump from stat to stat. So you, you, you have, you start somewhere and then together. you go to the next logical stat. Yeah. You're picking up on that. Good. Okay. So then, so then let's say for speed. So that was like kind of a power metric, right? We're going to look at plate discipline. Um, but with that hard hit stuff, right? And then with the pitchers, kind of just for strikeout and walk rate with the swing strike rate. So then for speed, um, stolen base percentage attempts. So the SBA percentage compared to the SBA rate. So how much are they are they attempting to steal? How successful are they? That's very basic, right? Duh, common sense. Looking at that age though for speed, and then looking at the stat cast metric in the, in their sprint speed. Okay. Then once you look at that, you'll notice for the most part. It goes down and down and down. So someone I wanted to pull up was Ahmed Rosario, for example. He is still very elite in that. So home to first, elite. 90th plus percentile, elite. Sprint speed, still elite. Um, All of that bodes very well for somebody that I would want to be buying low on. So looking at some of those metrics, I'd be like, okay, maybe Ahmed Rosario hasn't figured it out as a hitter, and he's not getting on base a lot because he doesn't have a high walk rate. However... There is room for growth. He did have a high pedigree. He just didn't forget all of a sudden completely how to put the bat on the ball. If any of that corrects itself previously back to you know his minor league days or 2018, 2019, you could see room for growth, especially with the sprint speed for the stolen base upside. And that's that's a cheap category. Um, that people like to overweight uh, because it's you know slim pickings, but some, some it's very simple. Um, how much are they trying to steal? How successful are they? And then looking at their age, and then each season, home to first, is that going down? Is it steadily going down, or is it significantly going down? And then the sprint speed. Uh, another one would be the pitch mix. So this isn't more of it's not really a stat, but how many pitches do they throw? The usage of those pitches. And then is there anything that we see that's trending that's causing more success or less success? So if a pitcher's trending up and he's getting better, is he cutting out a pitch? Is he getting rid of the sinker and increasing a slider? 
or is it vice versa? And he's not getting better and the home runs are going up. Is he increasing his changeup and is he getting hit harder there? So I like to see how many pitches they throw and how they're using those pitches. Then if you notice that trend, um, that's succeeding, like, like, let's say towards a, a, a pitch like the slider. Now let's look at velocity and where has that velocity trend? Is he going up a tick, a half tick? Is that continuously going up? And then where is he, you know, in age and health, um, uh, for pitchers? So those are some of the things I like to do there. And then one last one, um, it's boring and old and original, but nobody fucking talks about it. And it's whip. That's that gives you gold. That is where you make your money, but nobody likes to dissect it or talk about it. We like to look at all the X stats or the ERA or the underlining metrics, but nobody just brings up whip walks per hit or hits per innings pitched, add them up, divide it. There you go. And that is a stat that will fucking murder your statistics in pitching. If you do not Pay attention to it. And a lot of people like to be complacent and look at strikeout upside, what their expected ERA could have been. Look at how their BABIP was so high up. No, 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 no. Keep that walk rate down. Have an evolution of your pitch usage. Someone like Davey Garcia, for example, this year, I think that they might go away from the fastball a little bit. Um, he didn't, he had those control issues in the minors. Then we didn't, we saw a sub 5% walk rate, for example, he did get hit hard, but I think that was because he had a 60% fastball rate. So what mm-hmm. happens now that they wanted to, maybe they just had this young kid and they say, we want you to have command of your pitches, control of your pitches, throw strikes, don't walk guys, don't put people on base. Now next year we can start to increase that nasty, nasty curveball that you have. So there's just those kinds of trends that just trickle into a player evolving and progressing. Um, I don't, I don't geek out hard. Um, even my projection model that I do, I cheat. It's a meta projection. It's basically just an aggregate of people that I trust. I take all of their projections, and then I'm a fucking caveman. I and I'm going to talk about Rob DePet with Rob DePetro on the Pool Hitter podcast on this on Wednesday on how I do my projections. But real quick, I basically do this aggregate, get that aggregate, and then physically submit them by hand, and then alter them by hand. So every single projection that I input, I am doing it literally with calculator and hand. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, how I over the whole off season will understand the entire player pool and to know where I'm at on a range of outcomes. Wow. Okay. All right. By the way, uh, I love Rob. He's awesome. He's my man. The Deadpool hitter podcast is a podcast that we support on this show. So good luck with Rob. We were on his show last summer when he first started, and uh, really grateful for that. Rob is the winner of the overall DC last year, too, right? That is correct. He took home $30,000 on a $150 entry, and I'm looking (laughs) forward to, uh, yeah, some people don't, you know, when you say that he's the overall winner of this or that, people are like, well, what is that? Well, he put $150 down and he won $30,000, so that's what you can have. Um, that is the Hell potential yeah. upside playing at the NFBC. If you don't play over there, please go check them out. Greg and Tom do a great job, and Derek Bucar as well. Um, with Rob, I'm excited to feel like I'm sitting at the table with the Sopranos. I am <laughs> not an East Coast guy whatsoever. As he's so East from, Coast, isn't he? <laughs> oh, very, very. But I don't know if a lot of people even know some of his background. He's, uh, he's a huge green thumb, loves to grow veggies and stuff like that, but he sounds oh. like – 
He's yeah. sitting at the table with a fucking revolver. Uh, right, yeah. What you. he sounds yeah. like and who he is, much different, yeah, than what people might assume based on not knowing him. I would totally agree that, with that. He's a real sweetheart of a dude. So That's right. I told I told him his nickname needs to be, so I, I've, I'm i trying to pick up on it, and his, his brand needs to be called the Roto Farmer. Uh, <laughs> so that's my only, that's my nickname that I came up for him. Uh, on okay. My I like it. Hey, Rob, shout outs to you. Uh, Rob's going to be on the podcast next month, so he'll be here okay. as well. We all go on yeah. everybody's, you know, we all love each other and we just rotate around going on each other's pods because that's what the baseball, that's right. this community is fucking fantastic. And I don't just say that to like make it sound cooler than the, any other community. It's just the truth because I don't lie on this podcast either, except when I give you false information about players that doesn't end up being correct. That's a lie, but I don't mean you're to. You're not wrong though, Michael. The fantasy football uh community and industry it's so it's so much bigger <laughs> and so it gets, it gets watered down and it's 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 nasty it's nasty streets but if you <laughs> yeah if you love baseball come hang out with us uh i'll, I'll have you over for dinner uh i don't there you know it is. Whatever. we love everybody here and baseball community is the absolute best i yeah Hey, no if you end up moving that. to Cincy, man, I'll come down there once COVID ends. I, I've loved Cincinnati. It's been a while, and I miss it. You go down to Covington, right there on the river. It's a fucking beautiful place. So, I'm summertime. I think I think I need to be there. Um, the <laughs> so like driving here. So I don't actually live in Los Angeles. I live I live actually on the central coast of California. So I'm basically in the middle of California, all the way over. So oh. right on the coastline. Um, so getting in a car, I would drive three and a half hours North or three and a half hours South to be in San Francisco or Los Angeles. So for me, when looking at research or pulling up a map in Cincinnati, Ohio, if I were to drive three to three and a half hours or less than you're in Pittsburgh, Nashville, Memphis, Indianapolis, Lexington, Louisville, uh, make your way up to Cleveland in less than four hours for a ball game. Fly over to New York in two hours, like, dude. I'm if I live over there, and then the cost of living is completely like I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. Mar- I'm gonna try and be Marlins, man. You're gonna fucking <laughs> see me behind home play of every Sunday night baseball game that's on the East Coast or the Midwest. It is a central location. It really is. If you're looking to take a quick flight somewhere, that's that's why I liked living in Baltimore when I did because you could go up and down the Eastern Seaboard and come back to like the Midwest pretty quickly. It was a great location. Uh, okay, so this show's not about location, it's about fantasy baseball. That, by the way, what you just did, I hope people go back and listen to that again and again, because you just gave an outstanding breakdown of how you look at fantasy baseball analysis, and that is what we're trying to get at the heart out of here. So well done, man. That was, I'm going to listen to that myself, and I'm going to take a piece of advice from you, because, man, it was really good. I'm I'm just kind of impressed right now. Well done. That You had it all, like pre-organized like you didn't even write it down it was just like in your head and you regurgitated it pretty pretty flawlessly so good job man nice work uh i won't i will admit um uh, like i do with the projections i write stuff down and then once i write it down that's that's i can go um but <laughs> i like to study to it something. i like to research it even in college uh studying for exams or whatever uh, my finals uh, preparing for that test all the preparation, I'll just write it down. And then once it's written down, it's kind of, it's stapled to the back of my head and I can't get it out. And some, oddly, it'll never fucking leave, unfortunately. I guess that's the downside of that. But um, yeah, I'm excited to, I'm excited to um, give Rob a headache on um, when I tell him that I actually do. In the Google Doc he sent me, he's like, I want to learn about your projection system. And then it says, do you actually do them by hand? I've heard about that. And then it says, physically pen paper calculator and yeah. so uh, i think 
you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest um, formula person, like I said. So for me, gathering other people's hard work and time and then trusting their instincts and using these, these formulas over the years that I have, throwing them all into my own hopper, then spitting it out and then adding or deducting a percentile from researching each player one-on-one by myself. So the projection doesn't just stop after the aggregate. Um, then I go in and each player is on each team on a spreadsheet. So each team, each position with all their projections. And then I'm going to then dive in one more time, the team context, who could hurt them in playing time? How can their volume go up? How can it go down? Um, the ballpark factors, are those weighted uh, enough right now? You know, um, is there the DH and was that weighted enough in the projections? So some of those things I had to tweak significantly in 2020, for example, with the DH and then knowing that the Reds are playing 30 games in CBP, um, only 30 on the road. And these are the parks they're playing. You were able to really, really finagle those projections, but that's kind of a, 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 an outside look on how I do it. It's, it's very tedious, but Hey, just spend a few hours a day or a couple hours a day when you have the time. And, um, before you know it, you're going to have, uh, a lot of fucking information in front of you. So all of that information eventually will be available at ftnfantasy.com. All my projections, all of my rankings. Uh, you, We mentioned John from MLB Moving Averages. He will also have uh, his rankings um, available at ftnfantasy.com as well once um, the offseason gets rolling a little bit further in. Do you have a preferred league type that you love, and is there one that you hate mm-hmm. format-wise? I love, I love high stakes. I love the main event. I love mm-hmm. uh, the, the high stakes auctions. Um, anything that can provide a purse of at least $5,000 to first place, I'm going to be interested in. Um, I have not, uh, I actually, you know what? I really like the cut line, uh, a 10 team oh. points league. And I'm not a head to head points type of players, but I finished in the overall a few times um, there. So I've had some success. And the odd thing about that is I only do like one cut line a year. So it's like a silver bullet, uh, single bullet for me, but it's only a 10-team league. So every single mm. team is absolutely loaded. <laughs> I, I I wrote an article on it last year on the strategy and how to attack it per roster construction and the acquisitions of how to be successful. And for me, um, having one team, a 10-team league, and having two overall finishes inside, you know, whatever it was to pay out on top of the league prize – um, so I guess that one would be one of my favorites since I don't spend a lot of money and I've made money on it. Um, nice. And in football too. Yeah. One year I finished third overall, um, in football for that cut line contest. And that was like 15,000 bucks. And that was on the last night on Christmas in 2017. And I lost $45,000 or went down $45,000 on a kickoff that the Raiders threw back and tossed back and tossed back. And then the Eagles picked it up and scored a touchdown on the last kickoff, last play of the game. And I went down 45 grand. So that's the other side of those fun overall contests. Be careful there. Don't, you know, don't think that you were going to finish or cash right away. I've mentioned some (laughs) of my, some of my down, you know, I've had bad seat like 2015 when Zach and I first went to Vegas. It wasn't pretty. Didn't end up. Oh yeah. Reality. But keep grinding. Michael. I'm so, so stoked to uh, be hanging out with you, man. Thanks again. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, Anytime we you want a, to. I, go ahead. I, we haven't even had a chance. <laughs> this is the same thing that happened with Chris Towers. I think. We haven't even had a chance to talk about bounce back candidates, but we've already been on for like two hours, and I feel like we're out of time because I got other things I got to do. Um, 
What if we had you back on soon? Yeah. Yeah. Real quick though. Um, how about I name a few of those guys and tell you a few that I'm off of just the guys that I don't want any part. Great. Okay. Let's do that. Um, here's a few big name players that you have mentioned here. Javi Baez, Matt Olson, Gary Sanchez and Andrew Benintendi are the four that I'm likely going to have zero exposure to in 2021. Really? I got to get used to that. Yeah. So those, I, I, you, I, there's a big list here. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah, those yeah. are the four. Those are These the four are non-injury that, too. Non-injury, like exactly. people who didn't perform, but it wasn't injury related last year. Correct. So yeah, performance, um, performance, team context, draft cost, uh, throw all that in, you know, and you're going to have a combination that's going to tell me that I want it, no part of those guys. So is there um, one particular yeah. reason that they kind of all have in common or is it for various reasons? Various reasons. Gary Sanchez is Mike Zunino. So why are you paying for Mike Zunino? Really? Gary Sanchez is going, uh, Andrew Benintendi, I think is just hashtag not good to be quite honest with you. We could, <laughs> there's a whole, we can, if he gets really traded, that doesn't matter. There. No fresh. No, I think, well, I think that's, I think that's worse because, uh, the ballpark, the division, the team context, how many teams is he going to go to that have Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers and JD Martinez, um, and Alex Verdugo, all four of those I writ up earlier this year, have a combined career OBP of like three over three fifty something. It's like three. Oh, it's close to like three seventy five. So, if you are hitting around all of these guys that have an absolutely terrible, terrible rotation, they're going to be in bullpen games. Teams are going to be pulling out their starters and using shittier bullpen relievers when facing the Red Sox because the game's going to be out of hand. I think that those the offense for the the Boston Red Sox could be looked at as a as like a football team that has a really bad defense and they just have to throw a lot. And so. I think that the Boston Red Sox offensive context is going to be plenty fine and good, but Andrew Benintendi is not somebody I want a part of. Uh, he is not the guy there for me. Give me Alex Verdugo all day over him. Oh, I would completely agree with that. But Javi Baez is somebody that people say got a bad deal with the video. You know, he couldn't see in-game video, which was him and J.D. Martinez that were the two most annoyingly repetitive comments about that. But mm-hmm. Javi Baez was once a time, once upon a time, he was a power speed combo stud possibility. Um, the party right. can't be over, yeah. can it? Uh, well, it's not if you're an American psycho like him and you look at yourself in the mirror all day and think that you're the best player on God's earth. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, it's, boy. it's never over. And that's who Bobby <laughs> Baez is, right? My girls He's, over uh, at Cup of Cubby Blue would be pissed to hear that, but uh, that's okay. All opinions are welcome on this show. So. Are they an American Psycho fan? That's my like one of my favorite movies. I don't know if they are, but I do okay. love American Psycho, by the way. Oh, they just love Javi Baez. Yeah, they're you know, they're okay. Cubs fanatics, so okay. you're not going to change oh, thought, your mind. So. Oh, I thought they were back in Christian Bell, not Javi Baez. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the plate discipline, the contact rates, the strikeout rates, the everything, everything is just an absolute mess. It's a profile that I want no part of. I don't think that you get 10-plus stolen bases, so he's just now a contributor in that statistic. Would you rather have Dansby Swanson? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Libra Torres, of course. Or, I, I or... Think, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that you'll hear um, people a lot smarter than me, too, that would say uh, Dansby, Dansby over over Javi Baez. Uh, yeah, give me Dansby. I think okay. Dansby's going to. I think Dan, Dansby's going to be your fucking Aussie Albies. He's going to be hitting second. Ah, yeah. There's. I mean, everybody last year was starting to pump him up, and nobody has stopped the pumping. The hype is still building on Dansby being this breakout stud. He didn't get the full breakout. He got a partial breakout in a short season, and now people are saying, people I respect are saying in 2021, Dansby Swanson, it's party time. So, well, I think I think uh, the 2019 um, second half holds water to that, and 
he just the pedigree obviously just it annihilated him. That's the problem with some of these players. When you get drafted like he did, one one overall, fuck man. If you're not Mike Trout, if you're not, just wait. If if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does not give people what they want this year, yeah, he's going to become some amazing buying opportunity. Um, <laughs> and he might be. He might be already. He might already start getting into that realm just because pedigree and it needs to show up if people just please remember mike trout and bryce harper and their shortened stints as rookies i know that dansby didn't click right away after that but yeah they looked like shit too okay baseball's very fucking hard and when you have pressure like that and if you're on if you're on bad teams and you're not performing you know things get magnified a little bit harder than they should be and i don't think all of that was fair on him I like the speed metric. I like I like that he's able the contact rates, uh, the team context, where he's going though. Um, that can start giving me some trepidation. That's Dansby Swanson of 2019 and 2018. I'm jerking off to it because it's, it's, <laughs> I don't want to say free. Every every roster spot is an acquisition, so nobody is free, um, yeah. including players on the free agency. They're not even free because you have to spend your fab allocation for them, but. It'll be interesting. I think Dansby could be settling into where he's going to go. Um, and it might end up being too rich for me. But if I had to pick, I'm going to take the guy that's going two rounds later in Dansby's response and Robbie Baez. Guys like Juan Soto, they did a disservice to rookies because not everyone's going to show up like Juan Soto did. That is the anomaly, hands down. Don't, oh, I saw Juan Soto do it. And, you know, Carlos Correa came up pretty quick and initially he was good. Those are our flukes. It is usually your worst before you're better, even if you end up being great. And I completely agree with what you just said there. And these players that you pointed out, I think Gary Sanchez is actually a value now, but only because catcher sucks. That's why I'm not saying that I necessarily disagree with your Zunino uh, comparison. I don't know if that's that far off, but if I can get Gary Sanchez back to 30 home runs at the ADP it's at now, I don't think I have a problem with that. Would you be okay with Mark Zunino right there? Uh, uh, no, no. And if there's a a possibility of him being Mike Zanino and being at a position that garners only two and none of which outside of like JT Real Muto and Salvador Perez get the volume, what are we, what are we paying for? And now there's, there's been talk about, um, the backup catcher in New York getting more burn because Garrett Cole likes him. The starting pitchers like him. He has a better contact rate, better plate discipline. What happens if Gary's now only catching three to four times a week? And then on top of that, he's just keeps striking out more than I would in the majors. So, ooh, yeah. man, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an investor. Higashioka. Yeah. Higashioka, man. Yeah. I, um, I'm not an investor. If it's not JT real Muto, you're going to see me draft JT real Muto in the third round, or you're going to see me draft. I'm looking down. You're going to see me draft Jan Gomes and Pedro Severino and Austin Romine and some of those guys. Uh, that's where I lie there. Uh, Patrick Corbin, you didn't mention him on like ones you wouldn't touch, so I assume that maybe you'd still be interested. Uh, you know what? I came out on Twitter. Um, there was somebody that had a thread or some some sort of uh, talk on Patrick Corbin, and I initially just barked out right away and – basically threw him under the bus and kind of talked shit about him. 
Hmm. And then some some smart people, they they kind of bounced back and gave some reasons as to why that they wouldn't be completely out on Patrick Corbin in 2021. And then I was like, okay, wait, he's costing way too much. And then I pull up the ADP data and I see where he's going at pick 153, which is in the 10th round. It's going to really depend on do you think that every the wheels are just going to absolutely fall off? And this is a problem with fantasy baseball and myself included. If you're not confident in a person and their skills or their future profile, but the draft cost has fallen and it's at a point where you're comfortable taking him, does that mean you should take him? Last year, we, uh, Zach and I fell into that problem because Pete Alonzo, he was going in the third round everywhere in the main events. We didn't want, we didn't want him. We did not want him. And then we got into a pickle at the end, at the end of the fourth round. It was his max by far, and Pete Alonzo was there. Well, guess what? It was a really fucking sharp room that we were in. It wasn't that everyone was just so dumb and naive that they forgot about Pete Alonzo. It was that we ended up being the fucking fish in that room that got hook, line, and sink on him. And that's a problem that you can run into. And I'm not sure, and I'm sorry I'm going to take an easy answer and just say I'm not sure yet. Because that ADP is lower than I anticipated it was going to be, that I won't completely rule myself out on the in the tenth round. However, if it goes anywhere near some of the other guys that are going above him, I am going to have major trepidation, um, and I'm still going to question myself: Is he going there for a reason, and why is he going there? When you see somebody that's going so high up and they fall so far down, it's for a reason. There's going to be people that are going to jump on it immediately without looking at him. Wow, he was going here. Now he's going there. I've seen his back of his baseball card. That's easy value. That's your value, right? That's when we use the word value. Yes. We still don't know the actual return on investment there. We don't know the true ROI. We can give an X ROI, but I think that sometimes we need to really dig in on somebody like that that falls that far um, because it might not just be that easy. You love whip. You talked about how whips underrated and still should be quite valid. Patrick Corbin's a great whip guy. He Well, the thing is, in 2016 and 17, he was at 156 and 152 whips. And then he gets real when it's free agent time in 2018, has a great season, a whip of 105. And then in the World Series year, he has a whip of 118 in his first season with the Nats. Last year, jumps up to 157 in a short season. Uh, he's bounced back from high whips before by making adjustments with his pitch mix. So, is it, but there is a reduction in velocity, so I don't know. I'm confused right now, and, and people I respect, like Derek Van Riper, have said, you know, I'm kind of off him because of the velocity drop, and I respect what DVR has to say. So I have to at least consider that the party could be over. And But if it goes down further, if he keeps dropping, I think I'm going to take a chance. I think that's the problem is it's going to go up, right, because of yeah. future performances. And, and as the market settles and continues to settle, And the closer you get to these main events, pitching goes up. If there's pitching already (laughs) being pushed up right now, which it is, pitching this year in the draft champions in in January, these pitchers are being drafted as if we were in Las Vegas for a main event, live event. And that's literally how the market looks right now. I don't care if it's already being pushed up. It will be pushed up even more. I promise Uh you that. So yep. people like him, um, to add to that, the velocity drop, you're a two-pitch pitcher. If 
fastball slider. <laughs> I, that that's that's troubling to me. What if they continue to have the DH? Hey, that's I'm the king of wishful thinking. Okay, what can I tell you? I mean, but you know but what that I mean? is like, not that, going to win you where, money. So. Yeah, it's not. And so and and when seeing somebody and it's and I know it's lazy, but you go, wow, Patrick Corbin. Now he's in the tenth round, and they still have all their pitchers. And Strasburg's coming back. Scherzer's healthy. They added Bell and Schwarber. <laughs> it it all sounds just like fuck yeah, let's go. But then what happens if this velo drops even more and the slider's just getting tanked? You're mm. fucked. You're eat your v, you're, and you're not going to cut him because he's Patrick Corbin, right? Okay. <laughs> now you've got this troubling ERA of troubling whip. You're not getting that elite strikeout rate we saw on 18 and 19. Ooh, you've, he would be a pitcher. Look, that's okay. So that's, that's another way to look at range of outcomes. Is Patrick Corbin now a pitcher that you would be drafting in the 10th round? with the downfall of him potentially being cut if things don't work out? The answer is actually yes. And if that answer is yes, then maybe you shouldn't be looking to invest him in the 10th round. Okay. Hey, that's good enough for me. I can buy into that completely. Uh, One last guy. What about uh, Altuve? Because Altuve is a guy that people are saying, well, you know, he showed signs. He kind of picked it up towards the end of last season. And he's not that old. I mean, he's 32. He's not like put out to pasture yet. The speed seems to be falling off. I'm not going to talk about that. But as a second baseman who could hit 300 plus, hit 20 home runs, and maybe give you 10 steals. That's not bad. Okay. He's currently going as the 10th second baseman in NFBC, NFBC DP, uh, DCs. There you go. He is going after... Or I'm sorry, but um, the people that are going after him, Dylan Moore, Tommy Edmond, Mike Moustakis. Okay, Dylan. Let's start with Dylan Moore and Tommy Edmond. Uh, do we know how much volume where they're hitting in the lineup? Do we know anything about that? We don't. On well, we don't. Even so Dylan, Dylan Moore. Moore. The Dylan Moore. Oh, here we go. Uh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Where's Ty France going to play? There's a lot. Shed Long isn't dust. Oh, I love just, Ty France. I love There's Ty just France. a lot of things going on that we don't know for sure, at least in my own. Yeah, if you had Run DMC on, Dave, he'll, yeah, he's all in. He's for it. Oh, is he? Um, okay, all right. But but there's question marks for me, right? Uh, playing time concerns. Um, just Tommy Edmonds, same thing. Also, is uh, our buddy Matt Williams likes to say that, uh, he can't hit a breaking ball. If oh, there you go. that was so, so, and then maybe the what if they give him the Louis, Luis Robert treatment and they're th- throwing 40, 50% breaking balls next year to him. We just, some of these players, it's a, it's a, it's a not known pl- profile. Can we agree on that? It's not Agreed. something we for sure. No. Okay. Tommy Edmond stolen base upside, multi position eligible. Love that. Love that. Where is he hitting in the lineup? Is 2019 more true than 2020? Where are we at on that? Question marks. Now, Mike Moustakis, I do like, so I'm just going to skip him. Let's go down <laughs> to the next person, Jonathan VR. We already okay. covered that. <laughs> we covered that. We basically don't even, I don't personally think that he can have a team. Nick Solak, we like. Jake Cronenworth, we don't know if he's going to be starting. We don't know. He's going to be hitting at the bottom of the lineup. So my point I'm trying to prove is the more we go on and on and on, He's going to be hitting at the top of the lineup. The lineup is still going to be good no matter how much you fucking hate the cheaters. And he is going to play every single day. All of those three things combined, even if he is a shitty player, are going to have me interested. And the market is just not... I don't think that they're taking... I don't know how they're evaluating him, to be honest with you. It's, it's It's a ninth round... No, I'm sorry. He's going. He's going earlier than that. But... Yeah, 75 uh, min-max on overall leagues on FBC. 
Well, so I'm looking. I'm looking over the last month, and it's actually going in the opposite direction. So now his oh, ADP is, is okay. one. Yeah. So his ADP is 105, and his new min is 87, which is almost a whole round after. Mm-hmm. And then that max is getting pushed to 133. So people are um, they're leery on Jose Altuve, but yeah. maybe they're leery for the maybe they're being leery for wrong reasons. Is it performance and lack of, you know, like you mentioned, the stolen bases going down. Um, how many players are going to give you a stable batting average and potentially give you that 200 plus counting stats? Max Muncy, Jeff McNeil, Cattell Marte, Keston Hira, Brandon Lau, Kevin Biggio. They might not even all do that. So well, uh, the only, you're not going to get the power, but what if you waited for Nick right. Madrigal? But that, that, that's the point. And for me too, is the power I'll fucking take uh, Rowdy Telez in the 17th round or um, Randall Gritchick later. There's Jorge Soler for a bounce back. Just the people off the top of my head, these cheap home runs, right? Yeah. You're going to get these across the board. So okay. why not get the guy that's getting you the runs because he's staying at the top of the lineup? He's not going to kill you in RBIs, and he's going to give you a stable batting average. I don't know. Hey, I, I, that makes sense. I hate, no, that makes sense. I hate, I hate that little cheater. but um, <laughs> That's not the point. Market, if right, and if he continues, and maybe I'll end up liking him at the end of the year if he helps me win an overall. Um, so pushing him down is where he's trending. Now we're t- two picks away from him going after Dylan Moore. The more people hype up more, maybe Altuve falls again. Now he's. I never like guys that skyrocket like more. I've always avoided them the next year. Dude, generally, these, generally, these guys are all stocks. They're all stocks, and yeah. um, I love more last year when I picked him up off the free agent wire, and he was fantastic for me. But that was the value. That was outstanding value. No value now. Yeah, all the aqua. It's all about acquisition costs when you're buying them and how much you're buying them for. Absolutely, I completely agree. Is there uh, anybody I didn't mention on this list that uh, you wanted to mention as a bounce back, non injury candidate? Someone you're like, hey guys, take note of this. Yeah, I- uh, the the lazy answer would be J D Martinez. He was part of a, a piece that I wrote, and that was a riser and faller piece actually. Um, Talking about guys, where they're going right now. When I wrote this piece, uh, it had J.D. Martinez going um, with his ADP of 104 with a min of 61 and a max of 142. Now mm-hmm. pulling up the new ADP data for him. So this piece was written a few weeks ago. Um, okay. Pardon the pause here. Now no it's problem. 101, 79, and 124. So we've, we've we've seen it go up just a tinge. Not Not anything major yet. He's still sitting in that same area. But I mentioned that career OBP of Devers, Bogarts, Verdugo, um, the the garbage time uh, mentality that I'm kind of looking at when seeing the Boston Red Sox <laughs> offense because of their pitching, yeah. and what they're going to be having, what the what those games are going to look like. I think that it's too aggressive to just discount and completely rule JD Martinez as somebody that's just that's completely dust. Um, Utility only is now hurting him because last year he still, even though he was a DH because the year prior he had enough um, playing time in the outfield. So he had that eligibility last year, this year he will not have that. Um, So I'm thinking that that's kind of giving him a ding on that, that cost right now as well, but I'm not going to let that. um, I'm not going to let that steer me away from the bat, the skills, the profile uh, and everything in between that, the barrel rate, Launch angle. So the barrel rate was still 11%. Launch angle was 14.7. Line drive rate was 21.4%. <laughs> I want all of that. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Um, if it gets too much, if it's two more rounds, if it's 30 more picks, if we're now in the 70s, maybe it's too much. In the fifth round, sure, there's other guys that I'm probably 
more most certainly targeting over J.D. Martinez. But when we get into the seventh round, how many guys can you find that can hit 40-plus home runs and have a 300-plus batting average with 200-plus in counting stats and maybe one or two stolen bases? I don't think there's that many. And J.D. Martinez, he's going to fucking want to bounce back. He is a He's a fucking player, he's a baller, and he's a hitter. And he is the complete opposite of Javi Baez. He's great, <laughs> but he doesn't fucking go around acting like he's the best. And that's, that's a right. huge thing for me is humbling. He's humble. He and is. I know the city of Boston, there's pressure even though they're shitty. He's getting paid. He didn't opt out. He's going to bounce back. As a Tigers fan, we, when he came back to life, when the Astros left him for dead, he showed that he wanted to work hard. He made some adjustments, and he became the guy that he is today. So I'm rooting for him always. I completely agree with you, 100%. That's a good call. All right, so, uh, wow, this has been a ton of fun, Matt. Uh, I cannot believe how much we've covered in this period of time. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I do want to ask you this quick email that came through. This is from uh, Yancey. I'm sure you know Yancey. Oh, and, boy. Yeah, Yancey, <laughs> Yancey wants to know... Uh, how is Brooklyn, and how are your goats? She, he needs more picks. <laughs> so Brooklyn is my daughter. Um, if you guys don't know that, she's five months old, and she's the 90th percentile in length, which had me questioning <laughs> and jo- jokingly asking my wife after we received that data who she had slept with because um, <laughs> if you've met me in Vegas, I am not in the 90th percentile in length. Um, so Brooklyn's doing great. She's happy and healthy. Uh, but if you don't know, or if the listeners don't know in regards to my two goats, I have two goats and they are named Kershaw and Kobe. And they are, um, obviously named after my two favorite athletes of all time, Clayton Kershaw and Kobe Bryant. And they're doing great. They greet me every single day when I pull up to the house or the property and they give me their baths and, um, they do all kinds of crazy shit, but they're cool to have and they're living a good life out here. And, um, I couldn't have thought of two better names than Kobe and Kershaw for goats. See, I didn't even know about the goats. That's why I'm glad Yancey asked that. Cool. I think that's fantastic. See, um, if you knew that, you might have not even asked the Tommy over Kershaw question because you're like, all right, this guy's <laughs> fucking serious about Clayton Kershaw. He's got a goat named yes. after him. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Uh, <laughs> another email from Jeff. Dustin May or Tony Gonsolin this year? Does league type Ooh. matter? Wow. Um, league type. So being that I'm in a five by five roto, that's, that's all I play outside of the NFBC cut line. I'm just going to say, we're going to stick to that format. Um, give me the cheaper of the two. I think both are in the rotation. I think both of them, um, do a fine job. There's going to be shuffling around the whole season. So you're going to have six starting pitchers and they might do a six man rotation and then just let that stretch out and let that dilute the volume, which might not necessarily be a bad thing. Or they're going to go with a five-man rotation and do the Gonsolin and May like you saw in the playoffs. Maybe they open and follow each other. I think both could have uh, value as 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 well, um, even just at that. However, I think that we're going to see um, the Dodger-itis kick in, and you'll see Julio Urias get a little bit of time off maybe, and then Dustin May steps in. And then when May gets off and he's back, Gonsolin steps in. Maybe Price gets his breathers. Kershaw's going to get his breathers. Um, maybe they even give a little um, time for Bueller because he had some blister issues late in the last season. All of these guys are going to get a little bit of time off. Um, none of them, though, should be discounted as if 
they're just relievers or they are not, they're going to be pitching 50 plus innings below that mean, that average of innings pitch for starters that we were discussing, Michael. I mm-hmm. think that the talk and the distaste that we have heard around Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin is only going to continue to drop their draft costs. The further we move on, David Price, once he confirms that he is going to pitch, he will certainly excel past Dustin May. He is currently being sandwiched between Dustin May and Gonsolin. He will go above him. He will get closer to that Julio Urias range um, Mm -hmm. when being drafted once he's confirmed in. However, all of these guys, the Dodgers are fucking smart, and they're a lot smarter than us, a lot smarter. They know how to service and maintain and maintenance these Bugattis, every single (laughs) one of them. So if you're getting a discount on any of these Bugattis because you're not driving it every single day, that's fine because the quality of drive when you're in that car and using them is going to be elite. It is simply going to be great. Think about whip, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, pull that up. Love it. Julio Urias money. Give me all of that. Give me the quality, figure it out. There's fab. There's ways to shuffle players in and out. Don't be complacent. Don't think that your team that you draft today is the team you'll have in October or even in two weeks. You need to understand that there's so many pieces to this puzzle and Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin are both viable pieces. Uh, Nate Markham wants to know who you're taking in the tag team league, (laughs) which is a joke because I don't think you know that yet. And that's a very vague question, Nate, by the way. Clayton Kershaw. Next question. Oh, there you go. That's easy. Uh, Any thoughts on Strasburg? Uh, I'm out. Okay, you're out? Yeah. That's uh, that's all I need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, cost acquisition, right? We're still we're still looking at the fifth round. Um, I believe coming. He's had all this time off, right? We've had the procedure done. The healing process is corrected. Um, so what you're going to see is when opening day is announced, how many games are announced, when spring training is announced, players arrive to camp, pitchers and catchers report. Strasburg's on time. Strasburg's on schedule. Strasburg looks good. Okay. Yep. He fucking better have all those things coming into X amount of months off and a procedure done. I, I would hope, I would hope that that's the case. And when that case happens, what's going to happen, Michael? Pick up on the trend here. Where's Steven Strasburg go? Uh, up. Down. More up. More. No, oh. no, 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 no. He's going up. No, he's going to go he's up. up. Yes, of course. Yeah. Because people are going to start well, buying in. Oh, hey, he looks good. Hey, yes. And, and the, yes. The buzz so. builds and then everybody starts raising his price. And that's where you're out. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't have the answers and I don't have enough data and I don't have enough um, profiles to dissect pitchers returning from carpal tunnel surgery. And for me, I have no clue how that reacts. Will he lose fingers uh, or I'm sorry, feeling in his fingers again? <laughs> you go numb, uh, he could, if, yeah. If, I mean, it was- and, 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 and if you're a pitcher, I, I'm no pro pitcher, but you got to grip the ball. You got to fill it. You have to have these sort of common sense things to be able to just throw the fucking ball where you want it to go. So not, He's not 25 anymore. That, that, it's just, man, it's just too much. I mean, I, it, we need to start ignoring the back of the Jersey sometimes. Um, and yeah. just looking at what's in front of us, how much they're costing, what's the upside, what's the downside, what's the floor. I like the floor more than the upside sometimes, there or most go. of the times, that's, um, that's especially, good. Especially when 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 acquiring somebody this early, um, later on in drafts, sure, seventeenth round, twenty second round, twenty third round, Davy Garcia, absolutely, that's that's almost the last you know pick in the in the draft. So, 
Um, but when the fifth round, someone coming from carpal tunnel surgery, the Denelson Lamette love, I don't get, I understand mm-hmm. how awesome he can be, but he didn't pitch in the playoffs. We haven't had any reports on him. We don't know Hell what's no. going on with him. If no he comes, way. if he comes into spring training, um, there's three people, Denelson Lamette, Steven Strasburg, and Max Scherzer. Those three, if they show up to spring training on time, if everything is according to schedule on time and they are pitching at their par coming into camp, oh man, they're gonna, ooh, you're gonna need to take out a hefty, hefty loan to secure some of these guys. <laughs> well, Blair says Mad Bum, 30 minutes on Mad Bum, that is all. <laughs> Uh, I like I like the rodeo the rodeo rider more than the pitcher. Oh, of course you do. And finally, Art says uh, Yelich's swing percentage dropped ten percent from nineteen to twenty. He's still going in round one. Do you think he's worth it? What about that swing percentage drop? Does it worry you? Uh, it it could. Yes. Um, to put it lightly, I had concerns going into twenty twenty. I was actually had I don't have it in front of me, but my rankings had. Yellick as sixth or seventh overall, which was a pretty, pretty off from the ADP. He was a consensus one, two or three pick. And um, I had concerns about SBA, uh, the rate uh, declining due to missing time with the back injury. And people wanted to ignore that. And we kind of saw that take place. And now, um, now that the, the question remains, what about this swinging rate? Yeah. Did he have trepidation himself? Did he have concerns? Was in was that in the back of his head? Was he being more selective because of these things? Um, backs don't go away, and the age only inclines. With the age inclining, the back will continue to decline. Unfortunately, uh, we've seen that with Clayton Kershaw. But we but we mentioned with the Dodgers how they maintain Clayton Kershaw, how there is a plan in place for Clayton Kershaw. We've seen the production stick and stay the same for Clayton Kershaw because this maintenance has now been scheduled, so to speak. When you take your car in every X amount of miles, that's kind of what happens with Kershaw. Or what website goes down with- overnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what happens with Yellick if um, if some of these things, you know, continue to go in the wrong direction? Then I think I think there is some cause for concerns. However, the power stayed. Um the, the stolen bases, though, dude, I was right on that. I'm sorry. You were. Uh, four stolen bases. He played 58 games, so he didn't miss much time. But if a back's parking, he's not swinging as much, being more selective, not running. I don't have it in front of me real quick. I'm very curious, though. I want to pull up his sprint speed and see what we were doing from home to first and how his percentiles, I'm assuming, decreased. Um Sprint speed is still uh, 28, which is good. Home to first actually was a career high. And mm. the percentile, though, but here's the per- overall percentile. Um, the first couple of years, we saw him in the 90th percentile. Now we saw an all-time low in 2020, which was at 81. What oh. if we're now in the 70th range coming into 2021? Uh, so, you oh know what I mean? Boy, what if he's like 70? Yeah, so... so. I, I would be, uh, but Hall of Famer Casey Chaw, I've seen him in draft <laughs> draft champions already take a stab at Christian Yellick in the first round. This guy's a much, much smarter fantasy player than me. Ooh. But these are draft yeah, champions. These are, these are draft champions leagues, and these guys have a shit ton of teams, though. 
And a lot of these guys like to diversify where they draft and the portfolios and constructions of their teams. So I wouldn't take too much um, too much into that when looking at Christian Yellick. Oh, well, Casey Chaw took him. This isn't a diamond league. This isn't the platinum league for $15,000 or $10,000. So I'm not go- just going to be saying Casey Chaw's adamant on him in the first round. That is not true. Right. But um, knowing some of Chaw's tendencies and how he he eliminates players. He won't have a full list of rankings. He eliminates just guys that it aren't that aren't it. So um, Yellick is obviously uh, not eliminated from Casey Chaw's uh, player player profile this year, and uh, that that will have me continuing to question myself because this dude is he's a fucking monster, like an absolute <laughs> monster. So. He's a fucking monster. That is a perfect he way is. to end the show. I mean. Well done, Matt. Maddie Wood, this has been a ton of fun. We've covered a shitload of information. You people are going to have to go back and listen to this podcast more than once because there's just too many good nuggets in here that's going to help you in your fantasy leagues. And Matt's just getting started. He's uh, doing the tour. He'll be making the rounds. Uh, tell people where else you'll be coming up soon and where they can find you on Twitter and on FTN Fantasy, of course. I will be a guest on the Pull Hitter podcast with Rob DePetro, who won the 2020 NFBC Draft Champions overall. And then after that, I'll be pushing out this Ozzy Albies piece, um, basically questioning, is is Ozzy Albies juice worth his squeeze where he's currently going in drafts? And then you can find all of my work at ftnfantasy.com. I will be recording. I try and do at least one per week but matt and i are kind of struggling right now getting our schedules to correlate a little bit but as the season progresses this off season you can expect more podcasts coming out from matt and i at the ftn fantasy baseball podcast and then you can always follow me please on twitter at underscore maddie wood underscore my dms are open you can please feel free at any time tweet me mention me or just if you don't want it to be public uh you can privately message me like i said they're open even if i do not follow you i will get that message if you have any questions if it's regards to attacking fab during the season how much to bid on somebody um questions during draft season anything at all please feel free to ask me i love talking to people i love making new friends and i love trying to help out even though sometimes i might not be helping out i'd love to try so definitely um yeah reach out to me if you want to and you'll be uh you'll be on Matt's Turn Two Pod soon, right? Oh, that's yeah. right. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, Turn Two Podcast with Matt Williams on January nineteenth. Um, I next do week. not know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know exactly what Matt and I will be doing yet or discussing, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, Always definitely. Um, yeah, you guys, you guys are all doing great work. I greatly appreciate you, Michael, asking to have me on. Um, I always feel so honored just having somebody want to just hear my voice. And I'm, I'm sure I ramble on far too long, but thank no. you. Thank you so much. Um, I love doing this, and I really like the segments that weren't baseball-related as well. That was a lot of fun to um, kind of go outside of the realms of sports. I really appreciate you saying that. Everything that Matt just said about his accessibility is authentic. I can verify it. If you have any questions you want to double-check, you can DM me as well at MJGovier on Twitter. You can follow the Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Plaza Podcast at ProtonMail.com. The show is presented as part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network, Rotofanatic.com. We got the Data Monster. It is here to help you win. And even though I struggle to sometimes understand it myself, I do know that this thing will help me. I'm going to keep battling with this data monster and it's gonna show me the way i promise you i will learn from this thing and it will help me grow just like matt helped me grow 
today. And he helped all of you with this information that he unloaded. I mean, he gave you guys some legit info, analysis, and data that you can build upon. So, Matt, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Good luck with everything going forward. We will be in touch, of course. Uh, you know, We'll be talking fantasy baseball as the year progresses, and uh, we wish you all the best at FTN Fantasy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. I'll be talking to you soon. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.